Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. Monkeypox has been deliberately released in order to scaremonger governments to approve this new treaty. This is very similar uh, to what happened with the anthrax attacks here in the United States in October of 2001 after the terrorist attacks of 9-11-2001. There was uh, uh, released uh, by uh, elements of the United States government uh, super weapons-grade anthrax specifically for the purpose of ramming through the United States Congress uh, the USA Patriot Act that basically set up a police state here in the United States that we now live under. I was the first person to blow the whistle on the fact that that super weapons-grade anthrax could only have come from a United States biological weapons warfare lab and program, which was later proven to be correct. But then uh, because of my efforts, I was blackballed and blacklisted uh, off of all mainstream uh, Western news media sources ever since on anything related to biological weapons and biological warfare, even though I drafted the U.S. domestic implementing legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention. Now, I want want to ask you. The modus operandi here is the same. I believe the monkeypox was deliberately released to scaremonger uh, first the regulations, which failed, and now the treaty, which is still uh, coming up as of October 1. Uh, sorry, August 1. August we'll get 1. a look at it. But this is extremely uh, dangerous, this treaty, uh, and, and we have to uh, organize against it. As we know, the WHO is nothing but a front organization for the United States CDC. So, hi, I am Lilian Held, Kawam, and uh, I, James asked me to present you my books. Very uh, quickly, it's a few minutes that uh, we are going to take to present you the essential of the core of the uh, of the books. Um, in general, we can say we left the world of the state, nation states, and we are going in uh, a one world uh, state, which is in reality very, very close to a company, a corporate. So. Why we are saying this, we are going to, uh, to, to see this diagram. And here you have in the middle of it, you have a transnational class. Uh, it's a very important class. It's a class uh, which gathers uh, politicians, uh, scientists, um, bankers, etc. Huh? They are ruling the world by norms, by standards, and... Um, uh, they are doing it everywhere at the same level. There is no way, no place where this uh, situation is not applied. So these people are belonged, they are paid by this global financial market. They have the whole money. They have the whole financial assets. They have the whole financial products. Uh, 
uh, it looks like a market, but in reality, they are, it's a kind of oligopole because you have very few people who have the, the real authority and the real power. We, we can give the name of BlackRock or, but you know, behind you have the real uh, uh, shareholders and we don't know them really. So uh, these people are, have the project to reorganize, restructure uh, the world, the whole world, the whole planet with all its resources. And uh, so uh, thanks to this money, uh, which is really huge, um, they have uh, took over the uh, production system. And the production system is... Uh, we'll see of the goods, of the services, but it's private, but it's also public. So um, uh, every single activity which produce uh, added value is in, their, uh, in the screen here. Uh, here you have the second um, pillar of the system, it's territories. The territories uh, were national territories, they are not anymore national because they are not anymore public. Uh, we denationalized the uh, territories and we corporatized them. Uh, so you, you are going to see a lot of uh, company corporates uh, who uh, get this activity and the other one. And, you know, uh, the activities of the public is has been atomized and uh, corporatized at the same time. You can check it even on your local uh, side. Uh, here, what is very, very new uh, in the um, history of the planet is that we are able, thanks to the technology, to have all these, uh, this uh, set englobed, uh, you know, included in uh, a machine which is informational. This, you see it, you know that all the informations are gathered every day and the, um, uh, the data, the big data is very essential for this whole machinery, you see. And that's why I called it coup d'état planétaire. They took over, the, they have the whole power and they, are, they, have, they rule everything. So here we have another diagram, which is more um, detailed, a little bit more detailed, and you still have the same uh, flows of uh, financial. You have here also the oligarchy, uh, which is ruling, uh, who is ruling um, the rules and the standards of the whole world. And here we have the, the resources, which will be collected, and after, uh, by uh, activity, by the same family of activity. So here, this one is, I call that the world, one world company. Why? Because those people are working on with the tools and the means of management of corporates. And what, and they are right because it's very good for, those tools are very good for corporate, but we have very big problem when these tools come to the public space, you see? So here you have the machine, informational machine, and you see that they gather every day, every minute, every second, the whole data with 
thanks also to the IoT, which is uh, Internet of Things, and Internet of Humans or Internet of Bodies. And this is very important. You have to check out uh, uh, very closely what it means and how it is coming very soon and maybe it's already there in the place. And all these things will be managed thanks to blockchain. Um, so you have, they work a lot with statistics and this is vital for the system because they are um, uh, managing by remote control. So they need a lot of information. And we find here, um, I dispatched the two um, sets the informational machine with the one world company. And this is very important because here you are going to give, and you know that we give every day all our data to the informational machine. But what we don't know that they rectify our behavior and our culture and our mentality in, with uh, inputs. Every day we have inputs which comes by uh, mass media or by um, social networks with Facebook, etc. So they put uh, more and more information uh, when, um, uh, as they want us to think and to behave, and etc. So what we think that um, the social distances is something uh, which is very important for the new society. And uh, for sure, we will never go back uh, um, if we don't uh, react. Huh? Uh, for sure, if we don't react, we will never be, you know, because it doesn't look like, you know, if you, you, we are, you know, if here we are with the world company, we think that uh, the family dimension, the couple dimension, the affection, the the love and the friendship, etc. It doesn't really seem to be in the mentality of this new uh, uh, world. So uh, now we have the we can react, but anyway, I presented this to you, and you decide what you want to do. Thank you. This is Dan Dix here reporting for Press for Truth, and we got a lot of information to cover in today's video, my friend, so let's just jump right into it. You may recall that yesterday I put out this video, Move Over COVID-1984, Monkeypox is the new fear factor in town. Well, it didn't take very long for the World Health Organization to be now holding an emergency meeting today on Friday to discuss this monkeypox outbreak, and conveniently for them, this happens as they're about to meet in Davos anyways, to discuss this, strengthening WHO preparedness for and response to health emergencies. This is a proposal for amendments to the International Health 
regulations, folks, where essentially individual nation states would relinquish their sovereignty over to the World Health Organization, who would then eventually um, basically have the, the right to tell your local government how it should deal with a future pandemic. And as you know, viewers of this channel uh, will recall, I often point out how they play out these scenarios in sometimes exercises uh, before they happen. And then we find out everything plays out exactly to a T as they described in their scenario. I pointed that out in this video last year, uh, sorry, in March of 2020, actually. Um, we need to talk about event 201 and the COVID-19 predictive programming campaign. And of course, this is when the WEF, along with Bill Gates and others, uh, held this event 201 that played out this fictional scenario of a global pandemic. And as we know, COVID-1984 hit right around the corner and it played out to a T exactly as how this event 201 imagined things. Well, now, folks, we're going to take a look at this, the NTI. This is the Nuclear Threat Initiative, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan global security organization focused on reducing nuclear and biological threats imperiling humanity. Well, folks, they have just teamed up with the Munich Security Conference to conduct a tabletop exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. Um, so this fictional exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that first emerged in the fictional nation of Briania and spread globally over 18 months. Uh, by the end of the exercise, the fictional pandemic resulted in more than 3 billion cases and 270 million fatalities worldwide, guys. And interestingly enough, they have their scenario here. Um, and remember, this this starts, they had this back in March of 2021, where they uh, came up with this imaginary exercise. Uh, and back then, they imagined that this monkey pox outbreak would happen on, look at this, May 15th. 2022. And if we look at their scenario, we would see moving on into the end of December 2023, December 1st, 2023, the end of the year, there would be 3.2 billion cases or 271 million deaths. So we're going to take a look at this whole scenario outline, ladies and gentlemen. We're also looking at the fact that the World Health Organization seems to have um, changed their monkeypox fact sheet uh, to be different, uh, this is what it says on the left of what it used to say back in December of 2019, and on the right is what it now says as of May of 2022. For example, it used to say here, like, monkeypox typically presents clinical with fever, rash, and swollen lymph nodes, period. Uh, now it says monkeypox typically presents clinical with fever, rash, and swollen lymph nodes, and may lead to a range of medical complications. So they already apparently seem to be changing this to make it seem worse uh, than it is. And when you um, when we're talking about this scenario playing out in, in real life, folks, we got to look at this. It's in May 10th of 2023. So around this time next year, the scenario imagines that it would be revealed that a terrorist group was the origins of this virus and that it was an infiltration of a civilian bio lab. And the reason why I point that out is because we have to remember stories like this, guys. This woman who claimed she got sick after caring 
for a hissing monkey that escaped a truck in a Pennsylvania crash. Do you guys remember this? Um, After a truckload of 100 lab monkeys crashed in Pennsylvania, a woman stopped her car to help. One of the monkeys did not appreciate her goodwill, hissed in her face, and now she's sick. And let's also not forget this story, ladies and gentlemen. Vials labeled smallpox were found by a lab worker cleaning a freezer in where? Pennsylvania. Once again, vials labeled smallpox were discovered at a Pennsylvania lab, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said Wednesday. Very, very interesting that we are now saying this as it has uh, seems to have some similarities to this so-called fake scenario. So we're going to cover all of this, guys, and much, much more in this video. But before we do, I'd ask that you check me out right here at subscribestar.com slash pressfortruth. This is like a Patreon alternative. I've recently been kicked off Patreon. If you go there, it says this page is under review, but I'm actually suspended. I had over 300 patrons there, guys, and they just took all that away at the snap of fingers. So I'd appreciate it if you check me out here. It's a great Patreon alternative, Subscribestar. You can sign up for 5 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever is within your means. Um, again, I had over 300 patrons over there. I have 92 of you here on Subscribestar. It'd be great if we could get those numbers up today, guys. Please check out the links in the description below if you want to support my efforts on Subscribestar. All right, guys, so I want to start with this one because this is <laughs> this is a pretty big mistake coming from the New York Times here as they issue a correction after wrongly reporting that 4,000 children have died from COVID-related conditions. Problem is, they didn't mean to say died, or maybe they did, uh, but it was actually supposed to say diagnosed. <laughs> like, that's a huge Huge mistake. The New York Times issued a correction Thursday after falsely reporting the number of children who died from COVID-related conditions in a piece about the Center for Disease and Prevention's uh, Control and Prevention's uh, recommending a third dose of vaccine to kids. So here they are trying to make make the case to recommend three a third dose for children. And in this piece, the Times health and science reporter declared that 4,000 children ages 5 to 11 died. But in reality, the number was that 4,000 children were diagnosed, not died. 4,000 kids were diagnosed with a coronavirus-related syndrome. I mean, it's very vague. It's not even close to what the piece was uh, trying to suggest. But when you say 4,000 children between the ages of 5 and 11 died in an article like that, you can retract it. You can make corrections. But unfortunately, the damage has already been done in the minds of the masses who already saw that aren't going to see the correction and are going to rush out and get their poor little kids jabbed for no good reason guys this is another point hey tony relax bud hey, sorry guys doing this live on the fly and my little guy's going crazy hey you stop that now come here tony this is uh 420 tony for anybody who wants to meet the guy who's causing the major interruptions in this very important broadcast Thanks for that, pal. But, all right, you're, you're forgiven. Okay, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't trust the mainstream media is uh, obviously uh, the point of this one. But let's get into the crux of the matter because here's what they're saying now. The World Health uh, Organization is holding an emergency meeting today to discuss this monkeypox outbreak. Um, the World Health Organization is due to hold an emergency meeting to discuss the recent outbreak of monkeypox on Friday, a viral infection more common to West and Central Africa, 
More than 100 cases were confirmed or suspected in Europe. Uh, in what Germany describes as the largest outbreak uh, in Europe, cases have now been confirmed in at least five countries, the United Kingdom, Spain, Portugal, Germany, Italy, as well as the United States, Canada, and Australia. So they're uh, really making the case that uh, this is um, uh, uh, an important emergency meeting that needs to be held today to discuss this outbreak. But as I said, guys, this is coming at the same time of discussions over this global pandemic treaty, which essentially I was combing over some of it. And let me just uh, scroll through here. I noticed under article uh, 12, I think it was in section two, three, and five, we got a lot of troubling uh, language uh, here, here, and here. Uh, for example, if the director general considers, based on an assessment under these regulations, that a potential or actual public health emergency of international concern is occurring, the director general of the WHO shall notify all states' parties and seek to consult with the state party in whose territories the event arises regarding this preliminary uh, determination and may, in accordance with the procedures set forth in Article 49, seek the views of the committee established under Article 48 um, of this here on her, uh, referred to as this emergency committee. So if the director general determines uh, that the event constitutes a public health emergency of international concern, the director general shall in accordance with the procedures set forth in article 49, seek the views of the committee on appropriate recommendations. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, they want to uh, give the authority of your own local government into the hands of the director general at the World Health Organization to be able to make decisions on how you would respond to a future uh, scenario. And this is why it's troubling that the timing seems uh, so sketchy now uh, that we see uh, uh, this scenario. And we're going to look at the scenario uh, as it plays out in their in their view. But let's just read the article, Strengthening Global Systems to Prevent and Respond to High-Consequence Biological Threats. It says here, in March of 2021, NTI partnered with the Munich Security Conference to conduct a tabletop exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. The exercise examined gaps in national and international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architectures, exploring opportunities to improve prevention and response capabilities for high-consequence biological events. Participants included 19 senior leaders and experts from across Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe, with decades of combined experience in public health, biotechnology, industry, international security, and philanthropy. Um, so here's the summary. Developed in consultation with the technical and policy experts, this fictional exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that first emerged in the fictional nation of Briania, spread globally over 18 months. Uh, ultimately, the exercise scenario revealed that the initial outbreak was caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory with inadequate biosafety and biosecurity provisions and weak oversight. By the end of the exercise, the fictional pandemic resulted in more than 3 billion cases and 270 million fatalities worldwide, guys. And here they have uh, their uh, findings, uh, weak global detection, assessment, and warnings of pandemic risks. Uh, gaps in national level preparedness, gaps in biological research governance, insufficient financing of international preparedness for pandemics, and uh, here's their recommendations. 
uh, to bolster international systems for pandemic risk assessment, warning, and investigating outbreak origins, uh, developing an institute, uh, develop and institute national-level triggers for early proactive pandemic response, um, establishing an international entity dedicated to reducing emerging biological risks associated with rapid technology advances. Interesting. Uh, develop a catalytic global health security fund to accelerate pandemic preparedness capacity building in countries around the world. And finally, establish a robust international process to tackle the challenge of supply chain resilience. Well, isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that this scenario happens to be happening right when the World Health Organization and Bill Gates and the likes of all of them are meeting in Davos to discuss exactly that and to implement exactly that by signing on to this new treaty. And just right on cue, we have this scenario. As I said, they, uh, last year in March of 2021, imagined that a monkeypox outbreak would happen in May of 2022. And here we are. And um, if any of their other you know, events, uh, like Event 201, we saw how that came out, right? Everything to a T is how it occurred with, pan, uh, with uh, COVID-19. Well, hopefully this doesn't play out in real life as the way they're projecting either, because if you fast forward to around this time next year, 2023, we're going to see that it was revealed that a terrorist group was the origin of this. Took them a year to figure that out, apparently. And they infiltrated a civilian bio lab, which is why I brought this to your attention, guys. And I think if this does have some weight to it, if this does carry out to uh, play out as they imagine in, in real life, then in a year from now, maybe in May of 2023, the authorities will start to reveal that this did come from some sort of a terrorist you know, lab infiltration or something. And people may look back to what happened in Pennsylvania. Because as we see here, there was the smallpox vials that were found in a freezer in a Pennsylvania lab. Uh, not to mention this lady who saw a truckload of 100 lab monkeys just th earlier this year, crashed in Pennsylvania. She stopped her car, got out, and one of the monkeys hissed in her face, and now now she's sick. I, I, I think we may be revisiting these stories uh, next year, as I sh said, should this scenario play out in real life. Now, again, you got to ask the questions as to why the World Health Organization seems to be changing the monkeypox facts sheet. And um, according to this legend here, it shows you what's been removed, what's been added, and what's been changed. And I'll leave links to this in the description so you can check it out for yourself. But, you know, it, it paints a pretty pretty interesting picture about the fact that uh, they're trying to make this, as I said in uh, yesterday's video, the new fear factor in town. So crazy, crazy stuff, guys. Just wanted to bring all this to your attention. Interesting timing that they have this uh, scenario last year. It imagined this uh, case of monkeypox virus happening in literally May of 2022. And then uh, right on cue, the WHO has to hold an emergency meeting because of a monkeypox outbreak right before they're about to announce this global pandemic treaty. I mean, it's, it's, it's just wild, wild timing, guys. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Once again, if you appreciate my efforts to do so, don't forget to check me out here at uh, subscribestar.com slash press for truth. Again, this is like a Patreon alternative. 
where you can sign up for a monthly reoccurring contribution. And once again, thank you to these 92 people who are supporting me. It's because of you guys that I can continue to counter all this propaganda that you get from the mainstream and to sift through the madness and to bring you the truth of what's going on in the world, guys. So if you appreciate that, once again, don't forget to check the links in the description. And uh, that's all for today, my friends. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. Don't forget to click that thumbs up button and share this one with your friends and family who you think need to see it the most. And stay tuned, my friends. We're going to have more video reports coming soon. This is Dan Dix reporting for Press for Truth. We all want truth. The truth will set you free. Welcome back to Freedoms Rising. Today is July 22nd, 2022. I'm your host, Tyler Bloyer, and you are listening to the BioSciWar Barrage, Part 4, here on this Freedoms Rising episode number 30 episode. And by listening and participating in Freedoms Rising, you are freeing more minds with the rise of freedom. And that really is the answer here, folks. And it's not to sound too egotistical or toot my own horn, but all the problems, all the things that we've been talking about, the big, bad, scary things that are going on in the world, there's a solution to that. And it's participating in and learning how to be a free thinking, free individual who is not dependent and not susceptible to the programming and mind control of these systems in place that are set in motion, and now we're well into the agenda to turn our world upside down, turn the free market capitalism, whether that's you know the one true way to do economics or not or whatever, and turn that into a Central, centrally planned, centrally controlled techno-communism is what we're calling it here, What we've, the, phrase, the phrase we've been using. You know, there's a neo-fascism, corporate fascism. The, the, really what we're seeing is the definition of that, the public and private partnerships uh, really being a form of corporate fascism. I like to call it the techno-communist era that we're headed into where technocracy really gets control of the cybernetic systems that govern our reality even, and that's part of the Psy War. And so the opening clip there you heard from Francis Boyle talking about monkeypox being a deliberately released bioweapon. Uh, we'll get into his CV here a little bit, but that's not just some conspiracy kook claiming those things. That's not someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, it sounds like he's making a leap ahead and making a theory that this is a bioweapon, and then I'm assuming later what we'll find and what we're going to dig into here on the bio war is any evidence for that. Do we have any evidence that that's what the monkeypox virus outbreak is? Then we heard from Lillian Held Cowan, and she is a uh, economist, is what I've been able to find on her LinkedIn. On her website, it says, Lillian Cowan was born in Heliopolis, Egypt, 
and lived in Lebanon, France, Switzerland, and the United States. Today, it is binational Swiss Lebanon, but with multiple origins. Okay, this this is a translated site, so it's kind of uh, not coming across. I think it's from French originally. But it says she graduated in 1982 in the business economics from the University of Neuchatel, Switzerland. In 1998, in 1989, she founded a company based in Luasan, Switzerland, and active in business strategy and management consulting. The company's slogan is human development in the organizational development. She also authored the book Le Management par la Coaching, the framework in search for benchmarks published in Promend in 2002, translated into English. She also is the founder of a few organizations that it lists here, the HR4 Free and the managementforfree.com, whose objectives is to rehumanize the economy by making HR and management tools freely available to all. Okay, so that's a little bit of background about that speaker, just so you know who that is, as you will hear more from her later in an extended clip uh, similar to the one that you heard opening up there. And then, of course, we heard from Dan Dix, uh, Dan Dix from Press for Truth up there in Canada, a great independent journalist who... uh, there's going to be people who will say, why did, why would you play Dan Dix? He's just full of fear porn and always just trying to get the clicks and stuff. But it's because we can't rely on other sources. We can't rely on a couple of the sources that I'll cover here in a second about monkeypox to tell us the truth. We can't continue to believe in known liars and we need to get our source and our information from other places and seek outside of the traditional mainstream narrative and independent journalists are the people that are doing that. And their tactics, you can you can pick on their tactics. Uh, I think personally that Dan Dix is a uh, someone with integrity, someone who is attempting to do the best reporting that he can with the tools he has available. And he's an awesome dude. He's he's a, a not just a content creator, but a musician and someone who travels around and covers things like the uh, trucker rally in Canada that whatever that was called, the Freedom Convoy or whatever. I think that's what they called it here in America, which was really just a bunch of dudes driving around, watching each other live stream and getting super chats. That's what it turned into. (laughs) I'm not sure what came out of that other than just sort of black holing a bunch of energy directed in a direction that really, in my opinion, didn't really seem to go anywhere. But uh, in either case, uh, you can check his stuff out at Press for Truth is usually what he flies under. And most of the stuff that I've been getting for the show is coming from Odyssey. And thank you to the creator, uh, the people who created Library slash Odyssey over there. Um, I suggest installing the Library app on your phone if it's still out there and available, as you can access all the Odyssey materials through a phone app. I also you, you know, use the Brave browser myself and then go to Odyssey through the browser and that works quite well from what I've found. But to cover a few of the headlines here in America, at least where I'm getting the news on just looking at, uh, you know, the big bad Google search, because I want to see what's out there. Sometimes I look at the news just to see what the propaganda is, you know, and we got President Biden has the latest COVID variant and uh, slipped up and said that he also had cancer or something like that. And, um, you know, the puppet Biden is really 
someone who's a despicable display of leadership, in my opinion. And this isn't a left-right thing. I just, you know, I don't have a mask on. I don't have a cover over my eyes to hide from reality. And just an objective view of this person being a good leader uh, whose family and family life is in good shape and has a good solid foundation to lead us into the future. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's 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 a wandering old batshit crazy politician dusted off to put out there to carry out the globalist agenda and maybe doesn't even know what the hell he's doing half the time. Um, probably can't even wipe his own ass and um, whose son is out there smoking crack and leaving laptops around with information about how they were involved in you know funding these bio laboratories in Ukraine and then you know having like hookers and um, him every time he buys crack apparently he turns on his camera too and and decides to tape it which doesn't make any sense and this is the sort of blackmail that politicians in the higher echelons of power have on them and that's how the whole thing is really ran as a blackmail system getting uh, people caught in situations where they can then be used as tools for the system always having a knife in their back because they have this dirt on them that could always eventually come out or your son might just leave a laptop at a repair shop because he was too high on crack to remember that he had a laptop that he left there i guess is what the story is but uh, the main headlines that we're looking at here hhs.gov Fun fact sheet, U.S. Department of Health and Human Service response to the monkeypox outbreak from July 21st, 2022. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we're just giving you an idea of what's floating around out there and in alignment with what Boyle and Dan Dix were talking about there. So since the first reported case of monkeypox, reading from the article, in the United States on May 18th, HHS has communicated public health information about the virus to patients and health care providers. Providers access and substantially increase supply of vaccines and treatments and significantly expand the availability of tests. HHS has distributed nearly 200,000 JYNNEOS vaccines in recent weeks, accelerating the inspection of approximately 800,000 vaccines for the delivery this summer while procuring millions more for delivery in mid-2023, and insured and tens of thousands of tests per week would be available to physicians and patients. Over the coming days and weeks, HHS will continue to strengthen and accelerate the strategy on combating monkeypox and work closely with public health officials and stakeholders in high-risk communities to get vaccines, testing, and treatments out to the communities across the country. So one good question there, coming back to me out of the article, would be, will these vaccines help stop the spread of the bioweapon that was created? Uh, Is that what the intention is? Are we to believe that the traditional use of a, a traditional type of vaccine would be effective against the sort of bioweapons that are being released onto humanity? And yeah, I'm 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 making some large jumps in logic and uh, jumping way out in front and saying that these are bioweapons and that um, they're being released. Right? I'm not saying leaked. I'm not saying accidental. I'm not saying you know it was China. You know, my personal opinion is that this is the maneuver of the Great Reset. They're using that's why we're calling it the bio war because it's a biological war 
We're not in the war times where you would have even, I mean, there are, there is the nuclear threat, but it's not like you put soldiers out on the field and they shoot at each other and whoever wins the shootout is the victor of that particular battle. And, you know, we went into the history of chlorine being used as biological weapons in World War One and mustard gas. And since then, uh, those same people who used the IG Farben uh, basically uh, facilities and the dye, dye chem- the Dow Chemical Companies and the dye, various dye industries in Germany to transform those into chemical weapons facilities, that same group, the uh, Bormann Network and the IG Farben cartel are essentially not the same folks, but the same ideology and the same groups now uh, in control of the world ship of one world order state are essentially what we're trying to get at is we have a radical neo-Nazi, what we call the techno-communist regime in charge, and to think that these types of people wouldn't use the tools available and at hand and release them onto the public uh, in order to provoke them to take certain actions and also to bring in this great reset world collapse, uh, world economic collapse into the World Economic Forum uh, agenda, then we're naive at best and we need to be. Uh, a lot less credulous. It's credulous at best uh, that these people's desire to believe that the people in power have their interest in mind and that they're looking out for our best health and that what we're trying to do with the BioSciWar is implant some firewalling, some antivirus, no pun intended, uh, because similar to traditional vaccine theory, is that if you give the body a small amount of something to take a look at and inspect and create antibodies against, then it will have more chance of creating a proper immune response when encountering these things in the wild. That's the same thing with a mind virus and a mind uh, a mind parasite or people that are under mind control. If we can inoculate them with some information that will help them think through this a little bit more and not just be in reactive mode, that's one thing that is a big solution and the Freedom's Rising talking point is becoming more aware and getting out of a reactive state in this whole thing, even though they're they're making it seem like it's so pressing and everything is so urgent, we have time to step back and think and, and we owe it to the future generations and we owe it to ourselves to take a look and you know review the landscape. There's been a lot of information over the last few years that's come out. And we have time now to go through it and not just ignore, you know, people that are just being shouted down as conspiracy theorists, not just look at someone like Francis Boyle as some nut job, uh, getting back to the headlines really quick here, as we can see that uh, I can get off into tangents and get off track. The WHO considers whether to declare monkeypox a global crisis. This is from PBS NewsHour. July 21st. So these articles are all, this is all information coming out very recently, uh, yesterday. As the World Health Organization Emergency Committee convened Thursday to consider for the second time within weeks whether to declare monkeypox a global crisis, 
some scientists are striking differences are uh, said the striking differences between the outbreaks in Africa and in developed countries will complicate any coordinated response. African officials say that they already that they are already treating the continent's epidemic as an emergency, but experts elsewhere say the mild version of monkeypox in Europe, North America, and beyond make an emergency declaration unnecessary, even if the virus can't be stopped. But if it, British officials recently downgraded their assessment of the disease given its lack of severity. And obviously that article goes on, but we're just giving a taste for what's out there. Next, we have an article from the New York Times. Uh, This article here, I've had to use Pocket to um, grab the article from. It's from, I I believe it was also yesterday. Uh, let's see, the date on Pocket has been obfuscated from me. But yeah, these were all articles that I just went through the top articles on Google News. And here we got uh, an article on the New York Times, again, by Kinval Shiek. As monkeypox outbreaks c- continue to swell across the United States, health experts have said that expanded testing, vaccination, and treatment will be important for curb- important for curbing the disease. But these critical tools are not widely available, and it can be difficult to try to get diagnosis and find access to medications that may help your symptoms. Public health messages in the United States around the individual risk and access to care have not always been clear. The clinics doing testing and health department officials who follow up with patients often lack of coordination, vaccine distribution has lagged, and treatment opinions remain obscure. To make things more complicated, monkeypox symptoms may look different in some cases. People who get sick do not always have a traditional fever, aches, and body-wide rashes, many patients having developed only a few pustules, primarily in a genital area, and according to health officials and diseases, is primarily spreading in a network of men who have sex with men. Now, that's interesting. There's more to the article. I'm not going to read all these articles. I'm, I'm just giving us a taste for the BioSciWar barrage, what's happening out there. And this is interesting because it was reminds me of something Dr. Judy Mikovits has said many times, is that the mRNA uh, biological kill shots, or whatever you want to call them, the mRNA gene therapy drugs that are being sent around are actually... And, you know, the words I'm using probably aren't exactly the scientific words that Judy would have used, but essentially suppressing the immune system. And then the mask is doing the same thing. It it creates a, a problem with the immune system. And then when your immune system is suppressed and you have these viruses, everyone has um, viruses that are pretty much, you know, dormant in the body, but then they can start to manifest themselves uh, as the immune system becomes suppressed is because it's no longer keeping that virus dormant and now it's able to, uh, you know, show its form and and become um, more prominent in the body. And that's, you know, obviously not something I'm saying that's what's happening here, but it's all, it's interesting that this is what's happening now, only a couple of years after this pandemic. Is this something that's been released, as Francis Boyle was saying? Is it something that's actually caused by the vaccinations or the gene therapies, the mRNA shots? 
uh, is it something else? Is this like the five horsemen of the apocalypse where they're going to re- release all the different viruses and uh, continue to have us jumping through the hoops of getting the vaccines and getting the tests and getting locked down and carrying, you know, I think in my opinion, this is not something that's just naturally happening in the wild or something like that. Like this has got to be part of the pandemic. This is part of what's coming in 2023 and part of uh, the next, you know, global event. And as they're saying here in the New York Times article, the United States is confusing and we don't know where to put people and we don't know where to, well, what are we waiting for then? We're waiting for the the dictates from on high, like with COVID-19, right? Where all the countries and all the world were operating under the same pretense and starting to carry out the same policies of who of well was it the who was it the world health organization was it the world economic forum was it these central bodies that have uh, been created to bring in uh, more of a unified one world government one world order and i think that's what they're kind of getting at here we'll let this thing get out there we'll let it kind of spread around we'll see these articles in the news uh, we'll get people starting to kind of be scared about this and to the point where it reaches to a fervor and people are, you know, tell us what to do. We're freaking out. We don't know what to do about this. And my position has always been, it's not just like, oh, this is totally fake. Everything they're telling us is a lie. There's no such thing as even a virus. It's not true. My position is that there are biological weapons being used and being intentionally spread to capitalize on this time in history to be able to, you know, problem reaction solution people into those, you know, pre-planned solutions that have already been, you know, thought about, theorized and put in motion. And this is part of, you know, bringing everyone to heal, bringing everyone under that unified messaging. And that way, um, it becomes about health, right? And uh, it becomes about outcasting those that are against the agendas or questioning the agendas that the voices in the crowd like mine are antithetical to the main choir of voices going right and so to shut people like me up to not listen to me to call us conspiracy theories to call people like jogan uh, right-wing racists even though that's like completely the opposite of what he is, but people will believe it because they don't actually go and investigate things for themselves. They listen to the mainstream science. And as we heard at the end of that clip clip with uh, Clint Richardson, that three-hour introduction into his film, Wagging the Dog, the story behind the story of COVID-19, I forget the professor he had playing at the end there that we cut out with in the last episode, talking about this cult, this new religion, this belief in science and scientism as being the end-all be-all and the ultimate uh, truth purveyor, right? And that as we, as a society, further go down that path of just blindly believing the, the experts and the scientists, we start to question things less ourselves. We start to, you know, not investigate things. And people will say, well, I don't have the time to do that. And I don't, we should be able to believe the scientists And although, you know, maybe some part of me sympathizes with that notion, that's not true. And that's never going to be the case that you just get to believe in the experts and not think for yourself. And then, you know, expect that you're going to be making the proper decisions for you and your family because of the corruption and because not just the corruption in these these fields or uh, in science itself, but in in humanity, really, there's a there's a corruption in our very nature 
that's not only being exploited, but that we apathetically allow ourselves to be lied to, that we allow ourselves to be tricked and fooled out of convenience, right? Out so that we don't have to have the responsibility for taking on the burden of investigation and questioning and wondering. And this episode for now has probably, you know, this episode here is a good example of that. There's a lot of information floating around about this monkeypox thing and the bi- is it a bioweapon? Is it gain of function? Is, is it part of the plan or is it not? And not really having the direct answers for that. Most people don't, that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear the answer. They want to hear the, the, you know, the razor, Occam's razor version of what's going on out there. And, and folks, that's just not how it works. That's not what's going to happen. It's not to say that I'll just put anything out there and I'm going to cover whatever it is and I'll just throw it out there. We'll just throw it around and who knows what's happening, you know. There, there are certain processes of, you know, using something like the trivium, though it isn't the end-all be-all of all knowledge and information. And once you use the trivium, you know everything. That's not what it, that's not the idea. The idea is to use an apophatic inquiry or a process of negation to remove contradictions and start to see things more clearly based on, you know, contradictory evidence. Not, not the evidence of contradiction, but by removing the contradictions and processing more grammar. You know, we need more grammar, and that's why we're putting in so much information into these bio-sci-war episodes, why we've gone from you know, starting out at Freedom's Rising episodes in the beginning, you know, hoorah, freedom, and we're 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 going to cover the activists that are doing the free things, and we're going to be out there covering solutions, and we went into shorter episodes, but part of, as I was talking about in the beginning of the episode, part of Freedom's Rising is also intellectual fortitude and intellectual self-defense, and in the world and the time that we're living in, we need to be able to question these things that are coming down because this isn't going to stop. This this whole agenda of getting people to follow along with exactly whatever the World Health Organization is saying and get us to just fall in line, which these people are depopulationists, eugenicists. They're, they're carrying out their depopulation agenda. And if we're not privy to that and we're not aware of what's going on in the world, we're just going to continue to go down the path. There's nothing's going to stop humanity from going down this path. And history isn't going to tell the true story. That's another reason why Freedom's Rising exists in the bio war barrage is to be able to document and archive and put this information into the future in case, you know, we just continue going down this path. And, you know, the basically end of our civilization is a, is, is a very real possibility that could happen whatever that means. I mean, it doesn't mean that it just poof goes away. We could be falling into a thousand years of technocratic darkness here, and that could be the ending of this current civilization and sort of this revolution into another form of what we call the neo-communist or the techno-communist system that we're going to be living under. That's a choice. We don't have to go that way, and freedom is something, as Richard Grove has said, a good friend of mine, that freedom is learned, not inherited. It's not something that you just inherit and boom, you got freedom. We have to learn and grow and understand what freedom is, how it operates, what our role is in 
helping freedom stay relevant and exist on this planet for human beings, and the things and sacrifices that we might have to take in order to maintain and keep freedom alive, and not just let it be extinguished out into this crazy dystopian future that we see ourselves rapidly heading towards. Now, we're all already sort of there, you know, but again, if we can learn and grow and understand more about what's happening in in the world with this bio war, there's a high chance that we'll be able to defend against it, mentally defend against it, be able to have more voices speak out against this stuff and not go along, right? And resist tyranny, resist slavery, resist going in under the mind control and live and learn how to live and operate outside of that. So that's a big reason why we're here doing this and why you're participating in the rise of freedom is because we all have a big role to play in that. We all can take part. We can share these this information around. We can use the Freedoms Rising as a tool to do that. We can use other tools. There's there's definitely creators and content creators out there that are much more on the front lines than myself. I'm using the abilities that I have, a little bit more of a technical acumen, uh, some now seven years creating content and always improving my skill set and trying to get better at doing that. And we're going to continue to be here and promote freedom, promote truth, promote prosperity, and resist this tyrannical agenda. So, and it's not like, oh, there's one tyrannical agenda and Tyler has it all figured out and he knows what to do. You know, I'm, I'm also navigating and a student who is constantly learning and growing myself and being able to take in this information and, you know, bounce it around and, and consider it and read uh, more books and get more information than I have, right? And add that into what I don't know and be able to then, you know, take a different viewpoint on things and be brave enough to hold a different viewpoint than just what everybody else is doing, right? You have to be able to have the strength and courage to do that. That takes a lot of, uh, a lot of self work in the way that you, there's enough confidence that needs to be had inside of a person that they need to have the confidence to stand up. And even if they don't, I mean, even if it feels uncomfortable and scary and like, Oh, you know, this is, this is not meant for me. I'm not the right person for this. That's a feeling that you can work through as well. Right. We have to work through that fear. We have to be able to work through those feelings of self doubt and of lack of abundance, a scarcity mentality, and realize that our minds are more than capable of dealing with this current situation, the, the, the current world that we find ourselves in. And it's not as big, bad, and scary as it might seem to step outside of the box and take a look and say, you know, have I been wrong? Have I been incorrect about the way I've been seeing the world? Do I not have enough information on this topic? And if you don't, and you can admit that, then that puts you in the great step to learning new things and being able to take on new information and not, you know, just repeat, repeating the chants of the scientific cult out there that just wants to believe everything that we're being told by people who definitely don't have your best interest in mind. So this is the weekly wrap-up show of the BioSci War typically a little bit more off the cuff and not as stringent and, you know, just sticking to the articles and information. But before we get into the outro clips here that I definitely have several hours of outro clip material prepared, 
to continue on with the Biosci War Barrage. I'd like to get into Francis Boyle's background a little bit so we can understand a little bit more about this person who will be closing out today's episode and not think that he's just some crazy kook person out there, conspiracy guy. So from the Info Galactic page, Francis Anthony Boyle, born 1950, is a professor of international law at the University of Illinois College of Law. He received an A.B. in 1971 in political science from the University of Chicago, then a J.D. degree magna cum laude from Harvard Law School, an A.M. and a Ph.D. degrees in political science from Harvard University. He practiced tax and international tax with Brigham, Dana, and Gold. And there's more in the Info Galactic article, but I'm going to jump over to a CV of Francis that I found online. And, of course, it mentions those first credentials that I just talked about. But also, he is the author of the U.S. Domestic Implementing Legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention, known as the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, Pub L. Number 101-298, and adopted unanimously by both House of U.S. Congress and signed into law by President George Bush Sr., and he also was a part of the legal dissertations behind the Reagan administration's chemical and biological warfare buildup. Uh, skipping down, he was also a part of the testimony in the support of S-993 in the 101st Congress first session, the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, in a hearing before the Senate Committee in the Judi- Judiciary. So there's there's about like 50 other lines of his that are in his CV and things that he's been a part of. But I wanted to get in that he has a background in biological we- weapons uh, research and law and uh, working with the U.S. government and international bodies to coordinate treaties against the use of biological weapons. And so being as well CV'd as this person is with that extensive background in these fields, uh, we don't need to use an appeal to authority and say, so that by that means, then he's right. That would be a fallacy. That would be an ad vericundium uh, fallacy, which is one of the most uh, pernicious fallacies and one of the most prominent fallacies used. That's not why we're talking about his credentials. We're just trying to help the listener understand more about the background of the individual that they heard open up this episode and who will also be closing out this episode. So in addition to that, and so again, we're not just saying because Francis Boyle is an authority on these subjects, you need to listen to him as if he's 100% correct. That's not what's being said. We're just, again, giving some of his credentials and saying, you know, we need to look into these matters more ourselves. And here's what his opinion is. I think he even says in his opinion that what's going on now, and he's going to work to provide more evidence on those opinions, but it's a, it's a well-educated opinion, you know, to use the old phrase. And it's, it's not just a guess on his part to be saying what he's saying. Beyond that, uh, we're also going to hear more from Lillianne Held Kayem on globalization analysis that she gave for the uh, planet lockdown series uh prison planet lockdown i believe was the 
series. Let's see here. Let me make sure I get that right. Planet Lockdown. And there's that was a documentary. It's a, There's many interviews that have been released. Again, if you find their Odyssey channel, I'll link to that interview or the, you know, the presentation from Lillian here. And from the Planet Lockdown series, a film and interview series, you can find it at Planet Lockdown on Odyssey and start to go through these. We may be featuring more from uh, Dr. McCullough, not Mercola, but McCullough, or... Dr. Robert Malone, there's some great interviews that I was also considering putting in future episodes of the BioSciWar. So we'll hear from her. I think that's about a 30-minute clip. Then I have about, I don't know, almost over an hour of an episode of Grand Theft World where they're going into various topics that help provide context to today's episode and to uh, monkeypox and the World Economic Forum and um, there's quite a bit of context there. There's also a debate in that clip from uh, Del Bigtree from The High Wire and Gert Vandenbaugh, and they hold different opinions on vaccines and the vac- childhood vaccine schedule. And it, there, that's mainly why I wanted to get that clip in there, but then I was going through it, and there's a lot of good context and conversation back and forth between Tony and Richard uh, from the Grand Theft World podcast there. But that, that debate is important for people to hear because it's it's something that should be happening more. And having academics and people well-researched in the field hold um, well-mannered, well-undertaken, and well-executed debates on a national stage where people can think, this helps people think out loud, this helps people think through, oh, I never thought of it that way, or I didn't know that, I oh, wow, that's an interesting point that he just made. How is that going to be countered? And being able to hear that in real time is a very valuable asset that the guys over there at the Grand Theft World put in that episode. So we're going to go meta. They're covering a clip of a clip. We're going. They're covering the clip in their episode that covers all the clips. And we're going to take a clip out of that and cover the clip of that in this meta level analysis. <laughs> right? So... But that's part of, partially what I do. I'm, I'm not just going to get up here and stand on my soapbox every episode and look at me and my big brain and what I know and here's what Tyler thinks. I think it's important to put in these other aspects of media that we have available and, again, make that an indelible, uh, useful tool that can be utilized by people, even if it's just my immediate circle of influence and a few other stragglers out there listening. Of course, we'd like to reach a wider audience and be on a a bigger platform that, you know, but for my schedule, for the the family life that I like to have and maintain, uh, this is the format that I've chosen to move forward in. I'm not looking to get on a regularly scheduled broadcast of this thing. And if I miss it, it's not going to work out and I got to find backups. And, you know, I, I have the ability to come in and present myself and publish myself and put that information out under my own name and say, you know, here, here's this piece of data and these, this information that we have bundled together here without needing this big giant infrastructure of, I need your support and we got to sell these products to make it all work. And if it doesn't sell, we're all going to go under. Like I, I support myself in other ways. I, I have a career. I have a, uh, means and a, an interest in other things that I then bring those skill sets though to, contribute to what we're doing here with technology and I understand technology and am able to use it in the way that I do and build something like Freedoms Rising with a 24-7 live stream 
and you know publish to IPFS, create uh, blockchain domains that can't be censored. So if if we ever have problems, we can start to you know utilize Web 3.0, whatever you want to call it, technologies to help others learn these things as well is eventually what I'd like to do is get involved in helping other content creators, you know, create these platforms as well, but I'm still learning myself. And, you know, part of what I can offer in the future is consulting on these things and helping put on online conferences and things like that as well, using the live stream technology. And I've done that, you know, we've done that as a, as a, a uh, offering and helped other uh, content creators out there do 24 seven live streams or sorry, do online conferences. And I've been a part of the technical background of that. So, you know, that's a little bit more about me and my skill set, and, you know, why me, why, is, why am I doing this? And then also, uh, closing out this week will most likely be continuing on in the bio war barrage next week. There's plenty of artillery still, in the containers that need to be dropped and shelled out there. And if we're a little bit all over the place with the information that we've been putting out in the barrage, it's because it's a barrage where we are under attack and we are being barraged ourselves. So we have to barrage back and put, we need more people essentially. That's one, my closing point here is that there there aren't enough people involved in doing stuff like this. And I'm not saying like what I'm doing is so effective and, but there needs to be more of me. There should be more people speaking. There should be more people speaking out. The fact that there's that we have like office workers still scared to lose their job because of a mandatory vaccination that's being pushed in the boosters and they got to keep on these programs and these tests and the office managers all feel like they're allowed to and, and that they are justified in behaving this way towards em- their employees still shows that we're losing this battle. We, we are losing the bio war because of the tyrannical behavior of the average person and, you know, so even small business or- owners coming down and enforcing these things. They clearly don't have enough information about what's really going on. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing this movement forward towards more and more of the same bullshit, you know? And it's because people are being quiet. It's because they're scared. It's because they feel like they don't have enough information to speak out because they're not taking in enough information and they're not getting facts from anywhere else but the mainstream. And they don't know how to look outside uh, and not be scared or whatever it is that's holding them back from taking in information that doesn't align exactly with what Anthony Fauci and the WHO and the World Economic Forum says and starting to do some digging and research on this stuff and see if it really aligns with your values. See if if what you think is going on in the world and your behaviors in participating in it are really contributing to more truth, freedom, prosperity, health, wellness, mental health in the world. Or are you just being an, a willing dupe and a, a credulous moron uh, going down into the slaughterhouse and never going to question what's happened or what's really going on out there? You're just going to continue to... Feed into the bullshit narratives that you've been given. And that's, you know, again, why we're doing the public service here that we're doing, part of it anyway. And so we're going to continue on with the clips from today. I want to thank everyone who does listen to Freedoms Rising. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention. I, I appreciate the intention that you must have if you're listening to this sort of information and uh, someone like myself and the sort of things that we talk about and put out there. And then to, to close it out, 
we're going to hear a song from the Funky Fathers called They Put a Spell on You. I think it goes right in line with that. We've played the Funky Fathers here on the show before. We will be up at the Jackalope Freedom Festival, probably jamming out to some more Funky Fathers and other great uh, freedom-oriented music. We're not, uh, we, we run a little uh, vending booth there called Our Mateys, and we'll be representing alteats.life and that alt lifestyle, Cassandra's entrepreneurial endeavor where she's using her challenges in life and the health issues that she struggled with to actually do something good in the world and turn that around and teach others about how to eat more healthy, how to eat alternative foods that aren't just the, the GMO, you know, completely Monsantoized bullshit out there that's hurting people's guts. And it's it's part of the overall picture in the bio war to maintain a healthy gut balance and to maintain a healthy body and a healthy diet. So I'll be representing freedomsrising.live and I'll have the banner flying there. You'll be able to see the banner similar to the uh, thumbnail cards that are used on the show. And on that artwork, again, you can see like tylerblur.com logo, Freedoms Rising logos, the Alt Eats, and within the Stones Media Network, that's the production studio behind all this madness that uh, is known as the Freedoms Rising uh, banner, the Freedoms Rising catalog of things that we're doing in the world to try to create more freedom and help Freedoms Rising, right? It's not just going to happen. We have to facilitate freedoms rising and getting out there and meeting the community isn't the only solution it's not like you just you just find a community and then you're good right but part of it is participating and showing up and being physically present and having those real life real world relationships with people that are not just online and people of i hate to use the word but of like mind because i don't think people should be all of like mind i think people should think for themselves and have differences in opinion and be able to to talk those things out and you know live in that uncomfortableness of not being part of the group and not being we've we've talked about that we went into falling into the movement traps uh not just talking about the macrocosm revolutionaries like Klaus Schwab or uh Yuval Noah Harari or whatever the fuck his name is uh crazy sons of bitches out there uh, that are really, you know, having their big revolution right now, and the Gatesian types and, you know, into this techno-communist revolution. But also, the on the microcosm, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, lack of a desire for freedom, the uh, voluntary servitude that individuals have, and the uh, escape from freedom that we talked about, right? Eric Fromm's book. So both things we covered in the falling into the movement traps, it doesn't mean that I don't want community. It doesn't mean that I don't think that a freedom festival is valuable. I just think we need to make sure that we don't think that's all it is and that there's a lot more that needs to be done on an individual level that doesn't have anything to do with a festival and a group and more of a relationship with yourself and the creator and trying to contemplate uh, the laws of nature and uh, morality, objective morality and ethics and looking into figures in the past, like Kant, who have been largely misrepresented as this person who was a, you know, a materialist atheist or something when Kant had his own system of ethics and his own uh, take on morality and was actually in himself a Christian. 
And even though, you know, that particular individual has been largely misunderstood in his viewpoints by saying that science can't know everything and that we can't necessarily know everything through science, he was actually alluding to the fact that there are metaphysical uh, factors that can't be materialistically measured and observed through the scientific method, and that there are certain things that science will never be able to know. He was not saying that you can't know anything. That's not what, that's the misrepresentation. He was simply saying that there's something beyond science and reason uh, that is metaphysical and not necessarily something that can be observed and measured with the five senses. Anyway, we're not going to go off into a debate uh, between uh, different schools of thought in ethics and morality and philosophy now in this episode. We're going to let the episode continue on, and we'll get into Lillian Held Kawam here, then the Grand Theft World clip, and then let Francis Boyle and the Funky Fathers close us out. I want to, uh, you know, hope that everyone has a great weekend, and I will be back next week to continue on with Freedoms Rising and the bio War. Thanks, and we'll talk to you then. So my name is Lilian Held Kawam, and um, I am uh, Swiss, and uh, I am uh, a business economist. Um, I have been working uh, since 1989 in uh, big corporates, and um, I was uh, working on the development of a software for the assessment uh, for people assessment in companies. And very quickly, uh, I discovered that uh, the assessments were too severe with people, you know. So uh, very quickly, I was involved in uh, development, so people development. Uh, so the assessment was ver very interesting because I could uh, see the, the uh, strengths and the weaknesses. And after we put, we elaborated uh, a program, a development program with training, etc. Okay. So you, you saw a lot of those corporate, corporate restructuring yes. programs that were firing yeah. a lot of people? They were firing, but I was not working for firing. Eh? I never accepted to uh, assess for firing. But uh, I was also working with big companies who wanted really development, who could understand uh, my arguments about development. Uh, so I worked a lot uh, during this period of the 90s where a lot of big companies ha have been uh, restructuring and it was very violent and it was very uh, damaging for people, uh, for their equilibrium, for their uh, health. And so I wanted to to uh, two things. I was uh, witnessing what how big companies of consultant companies uh, were working uh, on uh, the business process reengineering and they are very tough they are it was dehumanized and so 
I was observing these people and I wanted to bring something more. So uh, I developed um, a new kind of management where I was um, uh, bringing uh, the human flow in um, as a, a complementary uh, to uh, the business process reengineering. You see? So here you have an example how I have um, advised uh, to put the manager in the middle of the flow, of the human flow. So uh, it is much more interesting than to work alone or to work in a hierarchical um, company, you say organization, where you give orders and you receive orders. So here we are going to work together, you see. We are going to... Um, evaluate uh, the project together. We are going to bring our complementaries, our soft skills, which are also uh, can uh, be complemented. I develop a new methodology. I think that it didn't exist uh, at that time uh, in the, on the market, um, which was to bring the uh, human processes with competencies, with soft skills, hard skills, uh, uh, so tec technical skills and even physical skills. If you had to travel too much and you can't afford it physically, so the job wouldn't worth it huh? if at the end you are burned out or something like this. Huh? So with this methodology, I uh, wrote a book. I published it. I published several um, articles. And at the end, in 2002, I published the book. And it was based on two hypotheses. Uh, one is the, uh, that the efficiency of, it brings efficiency to the executive uh, people. And uh, uh, so the manager becomes uh, at the same time a manager, a pilot and a coach. Uh, and at the same time, a second hypo hypothesis is um, it increases um, the well-being because we set up a development plan for the well-being of the person. Okay, so um, you see, um, in um, this um, uh, methodology, you are going to see things which are going to remind you what you see at the World Economic Forum. You see, uh, but at that time, I was, I, I guess, alone to organize. Uh, uh, like this uh, with circle. Um, this uh, circular organization, my, uh, my apport, my uh, asset was to put together human uh, competencies. So you have uh, the role of the stakeholder, you have the customers, the staff, the supplier, and all is center, and it's very important for me. Everything you are going to see, which comes from my work, is centered on manager, on human, human beings. It could be manager, it could be group, it could be the whole uh, human resources of the company, and this is uh, included in an organizational environment, and after the whole thing in an economical environment. So today you see this, huh? but we remember that it is centered on 
human, on a person. Okay? So here you have a second characteristic of the system is that you are going to interact with your people, not because on the basis of orders, but on the basis on information. Huh? So information interactions inside the group, with the outside the group, and after with outside the company, and the whole thing, we are working on transversal flows. Uh, it's very important because that we, we will find it also today, okay? And here you have the systemic approach of the organization. It's all based on uh, the body, you see, where you have organs. No uh, organ is better than the other. Um, no one is uh, more important. They are all important, but they are playing different roles. And finally, you are going to find the matrix structure where you have units, uh, business units, and here you are going to have processes which crosses the whole units, okay? So, um, you see, we have get rid of everything which is called pyramid. The pyramid is over for somebody uh, like me from the 90s, the early 90s, so 91, 92, we have uh, finished with pyramid and the orders. What I showed you, the, those characteristics are quite the same as what you find today, everywhere. Even in public organizations, you are going to find uh, metrics, you are going to find processes, even they are looking for uh, added value in uh, the public service. But there's a major difference between what I have done and what they are doing today. And this difference is existential. Why? Because I have always been working on human uh, people, on people. Uh, here you have the group identity in the middle of the mission, management team, etc. And we are going to see now an organization which is presented by Kate Rivers. Uh, she is very famous, um, she is uh, British, I guess, and she is member of the Club of Rome, Club de Rome. Huh? Club de Rome is, um, is like uh, everyone knows now Bilderberg. Um, it's, you know, a gathering of uh, people, uh, of the co uh, corporates, of political, even you have the King of Spain or the Queen of Spain in the Club de Rome, like, um, like Bilderberg. Quite the same. But they, they are very important, Club de Rome, because all the sustainable development and all the mess which comes with the sustainable development comes from the Club de Rome. And it was uh, um, uh, uh, the CEO of this uh, period, the founder of the Club de Rome, was the CEO of Fiat Group, you know, okay. the cars. So, you see... Her approach is very important because we leave the uh, sphere of the corporate with my uh, methodology. It was for corporates, for inside the corporate. We leave the corporate to go outside on the uh, public uh, uh, sphere. And this is problematic. This is a very big problem because 
we are guessing more and more that they are going to use management, the corporate management, to manage uh, populations outside of the job, outside of corporate, outside of the, uh, yeah, of the companies. And what's interesting about this? Yeah. And this is very interesting because it is centered not anymore on human or people, but on financial flows, you see. And you have uh, human beings uh, are here under household. You have the state, commons, and market. So we are not anymore in a society, you know, which founds, uh, which uh, is going to f uh, to fund to fund the um, environment. So, so the individual it, is absent. Individuals are absent. They are. Uh, it's quite a little bit communist <laughs> with the commons. We put all together, and this kind of project uh, will be developed also, I think, for, you know, uh, smart cities, also on the local side. Huh? Uh, and what is very important that you are going to see is that households are stuck up between financial flows and economy. And after you reach a society, you see. So what is the existence of people outside of the economy for the new order, the new world, I don't know. You should ask, interview someone who can answer. So uh, you see society and after the earth. To, uh, even the earth is centered on the financial flows. Quite a big question mark huh, with uh, this thing. So you, you ask me, James, how I can summarize this position, like my book on with five sentences. So it's very hard because... Uh, we have 12 uh, chapters uh, with uh, this book of disposition it, it's very it, it's very important because um for me it was as as if it was uh, the center of the new organization of the world i uh, yeah now we can see uh, the book of uh, the uh, chart of um, kate travers but yeah i started by disposition because it's all starts with uh, money creation. Uh, it has been privatized by um, by uh, financial people, and uh, it has been uh, given to the big commercial banks, and um, they are uh, lending money they don't have. And you are after you have the credit, you have to uh, give them the back a money they didn't have at the beginning. So they became very, very rich and they could finance a lot of the new organization of the world. And um, yeah, so uh, and the first income they have is uh, are the states, the public uh, debt. So this public debt, uh, unfortunately, uh, the central bankers admitted this uh, uh, creation of money. Uh, normally, it is it is forbidden in the constitution, and it would it would be as a false money, you see. But the central bankers admitted this, so they could print money as much as they want, as long as you bring something in exchange you bring a counter, uh, counterpart. So this is very important because it explains why the financial flows are 
the central of everything in the new world. The, the blood of the new world is not any more human being, is not any more planet, is not any more life on the planet. It is financial. They have everything, they, they own everything, and even here you have um, the Financial Post who wrote an article a few years ago in 2017, and he says that by 2028, BlackRock and Vanguard could own almost everything on the world, in the world, huh? not uh, in the States. So um, this concentration of money uh, came from a concentration, a coordination between central bankers under the um, leadership of the BIS. And um, it will have many consequences on many levels. Uh, the most important is that they are going to break the market and they are going to, uh, to cap um, the GDP, the national GDP of every country. If you take over the GDP, the national GDP, because you are Amazon, you are Microsoft, you are uh, etc., um, the country doesn't have any substance anymore, you see? So they are collapsing. You add the debt, they lose their GDP, they lose uh, the public uh, power, and you have, you have whom? You have the corporate, big corporates, okay? Here I have put, the, you can find it on Wikipedia, it's very easy, you go to, you check uh, primary dealers uh, to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and you have the list of the people of the banks who are uh, allowed to uh, create, to print the money to the public uh, securities, okay? There's a lot so, of foreign, foreign banks on there. You have foreign banks because they t the idea is that if you have the Japanese one, uh, he creates money, he has uh, securities, and after he is going to sell it to his own central bank or to his government, you see? So if you have the Swiss UBS, UBS is going to sell uh, some securities to SNB, uh, the Swiss National Bank. Uh, Crédit Agricole, uh, maybe you have here, or Société Générale. Yeah. Société Générale, you don't have Crédit Agricole. You have uh, Société Générale uh, is going to sell to the French government. And it's all like this. Like this, they have disseminated all over the world their debt. So the debt of the, uh, the U.S. debt uh, became the debt of everyone on the planet. So if the uh, U.S. has a problem with the debt, we have also a problem with their debt. It's a very clever system, huh? Mm -hmm. It's very, very clever. Uh, they privatize uh, the benefits and they uh, give you, in exchange, all kind of debts and all kind of uh, risks. You are the final warrant of those bankers. This is sure. Huh? So, and now, today, you find them on the panel uh, of the CEPI, which is the 
uh, a group who is uh, who prepares you know the for the pandemics huh? i want just to tell you with the second book which is called coup d'etat planétaire i wrote it in 2019 before the covid i was waiting for uh the reduction of the mobility i was waiting for uh what we are seeing today uh, why it's not because of a virus i would have never th- thought about the virus but the whole system which you could find you know several treaties and all this thing they were uh setting up the uh, system we are living in the social distances are going to stay because it's not only a problem of uh, virus it's a problem of new organization of the society no? so that's what you think social distancing is the social distancing is uh, because i think that in the new model if we take again the one of uh, uh, kate you don't find that there's much place for social uh, for to socialize and to go to holidays and it looks like as if it was all concentrated on money on economics on pro- production so you become uh, uh, for me uh, i understand it like this you have to ask her if she thought something else but uh, i guess that the notion of the family of the society of the couple of uh, holidays of uh, breaks etc maybe it will not Uh, be in the new uh, organization of the society which could be based on performance uh, increasing your production and if you are not uh, too much productive so i don't know what could happen okay um the the new book the coup d'etat planétaire is about the end of the public states and the emerging of one worldwide company owned by an elite who is looking also and we should say it and we should inform people that they are looking for eternal life uh, so uh, it is a very serious matter it is everywhere you can check it yeah so this was in coup d'etat at the end of coup d'etat planétaire you have the elite this elite is an elite a technocratical elite huh? they are putting norms and rules all over the world to have the same system all over the world it's a transnational uh, elite huh? uh, you find uh, politics you can find inside um, uh, financial people you can find people managers etc uh, you have the global financial market who is central and after you have i i divided uh, because of the book uh, of the uh, subjects which were treated they now have the hand of almost all the production system all over the world in every field you see everywhere you have an added value they have the hand on it this is vanguard and blackrock they are only a representation don't miss uh, don't uh, uh, imagine that they are alone uh, um, for sure they are not alone but they represent the concentration um here you have the territories national territories are becoming corporates huh? 
they are corporatized, they are uh, denationalized, and um, at the end, they become like uh, corporate. Okay? So, uh, with those two um, axes, uh, they have almost all the power. I, I, when I say, I say they, it's the leaders of the global financial market. Not of this elite, huh? but the, the people who own, the major owners, we don't know them. I'm sorry, we don't know them. Even Bill Gates, he is uh, an ambassador, you see. So, uh, all this, we can't finish the book without talking about um, digitalization. 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 Yeah. Um, all this is trapped. We can't say it anymore. Some any, with other words in an informational machine uh, with inform global information systems, and this um, covers the whole world. You see, it's. I imagine it like a box. You see, and the planet is inside, and everything has to, to go through, in, through, and out of this informational machine. So now this is new. Uh, we saw it together last time. Uh, um, we still have the same organization, but I represented um, the, by family, you see, by family of activities. Huh? You have the family of the territories. Huh? It could be all over the world, the whole territories of the world, the whole smart cities, and inside you can after divide by uh, region, uh, locality, town, etc. So we have uh, industrial production resources, you have water, the water of the world is managed by a group who is um, uh, supra, supra uh, uh, national. Yeah. The natural resources also, energy, food, healthcare, security, and all these things are managed on the basis of corporates and private corporates. Even when it was few years uh, ago, it was public. Now, today, it's private. And even if you see the word association or foundation, it is ruled by the private. Uh, here you have the administration with the e-services. And this is cyber administration. It, is, uh, it has been set up in Switzerland for now many years. Nobody in, uh, in the street could uh, know this. But it, is, it exists. And it is, uh, it belongs to the same system with private people. You have to give, uh, you have, you have uh, companies inside, you have the GAFAM, but many others. Huh? So I wrote that it was one world company. We can call it one worldwide company like this. We have WWC, like we have, as we have W Economic Forum, WEF. Um, all these things are linked together also by uh, cryptocurrency. 
and accounting, contracts, smart contracts, uh, the health, behaviors of people. Everything is checked, if you want, uh, under the eyes of this elite, which is still here, and the eyes of the informational machine and its whole, you know, uh, informational processes. And in this machine, you are going to find the data, um, the digitalization, you know, which is, uh, uh, which goes on, the IoT, which is going to uh, give more and more data, the Internet, uh, Internet of Things, and here you have the Internet of Human. This is important, and if you are not aware, if your viewers are not aware of this, you can go, you can check. We, they are developing Internet of Human, Internet of Bodies also. Yeah? Uh, and they want us to communicate brain to brain uh, via sensors uh, in the brain, but also somewhere on, in the body. And this come uh, to reality with the blockchain, with the system of blockchain, which is going to link the whole thing together. Um, this system is very hungry of your stats, your statistics uh, of the databases, and it is a cybernetic uh, system. So cybernetic means that uh, you have a machine which is going to rule all over the world all these things because they think the people who are be behind. So this is the elite. We, we said um, uh, before that we have an elite who is looking for eternal life. So they think, they say they, uh, that they are deified. You know, they, are, they, they will become gods, you know. And because they are billionaires and they are very clever, more than us. And <laughs> so, yeah. So these people are going, um, uh, are using this uh, informational machine. Uh, they want to use it always. That's why you are under surveillance, uh, more and more under surveillance. And I want just to put you this. Uh, you are more and more under surveillance and um, you, you, we are going to reach a time where private life will be impossible. And here you have Brzezinski who said in 68, the way international banks and multinational corporations act and plan is more advanced than the political concepts of the nation state. This is 68. And here you have in, it was 73, I forgot uh, to put the year, the Techne, it's an E here, Technetronic age implies the gradual appearance of a more controlled society, such a society would be dominated by an elite cleared of traditional values. I said families, couples, etc., are not maybe in the project of the new society. Soon it will be possible to ensure almost continuous surveillance of every citizen and to maintain complete and up-to-date files containing even the most personal information of on the citizen. These files will be subject 
to automatic retrieval by the authority. We are living it. Huh? We are in it today. And um, here I represented, uh, so uh, do you remember, huh? we have the machine informational and we have the one world company. So now we have the informational machine. I split it the both and the world company. And to show you this intera these interactions, um, which d don't stop, which don't stop. And why? Because it's very important for the people who are ruling uh, the, this machine to get to know uh, just on time what is going on uh, everywhere. And after they analyze it and they send back uh, their own messages. And it could be that's why you have mass media, you have Facebook, you have uh, Twitter, etc., internet, uh, social uh, networks. Why? Because they can introduce the information they want. They can change your mentality. They can change your way of life. So, um, what is next? <laughs> this is important. What is next? It depends on everyone. Uh, the door is widely open uh, to merge man with machine. This is next. If nothing happens, unless you abandon the corporatization of the world and put the humanity and the planet back at the center of local, regional and global strategic policy. Uh, so if we want to do something, we need to rehumanize the world and first of all, to rehumanize the decision makers. Thank you. That is the concern. I call this pandemic one, but you know, the pandemic two is down the road. So it's just the first pandemic set up a situation where we lost public trust and our public trust in our institutions to be able to provide accurate and poignant information so we could take meaningful action that would help alleviate the situation in front of us in regards to severe disease due to COVID-19 or, or SARS-CoV-2 SARS -CoV producing COVID-19. Um, that would be the deep uh, the lower respiratory infection and the pneumonia associated with it. But that was nebulous. It was ill-defined. It was hard to um, visualize because it was otherwise just a flu and a cold. It was just, for most people, it was just a standard flu or a cold. And so, but this one's a little bit different in regards to if all of a sudden people are out having outbreaks of this lymph node, sort of like uh, very sort of palpable recognition of pox, just like chicken pox. So now chicken pox is actually a different virus altogether. We won't get into that detail. Um, but essentially bumps on your skin, people are going to freak out. And, you know, that we have to take a step back. We have to be prepared. I had Peter Mercola last week. We uh, showed when he was on Alex Jones talking about, we already have therapeutics for this. It's not that serious. Let's take a step back. Both Greg Reese and uh, Brian Wilson did a great job. Greg Reese showing the sort of um, the sleight of hand trick that's being played, the smoke and mirrors. And both recognizing that the Wuhan laboratory is just developed a PCR test for it. Not necessarily, there might be gain of function. Certainly wouldn't surprise me if evidence emerges there, but they already have a, a scenario planned out about this. Now, the one thing Brian Wilson 
point out I was not aware of was this. You were right. Understand the ecology of emerging zoonoses, clinician outreach and communication activity. This is EcoHealth Alliance. Uh, an EcoHealth approach to understanding uh, zoonotic disease, I think it's called. EcoHealth approach to understanding zoonotic disease. This is November 2nd, 2017, CDC. So this is, um, let's go into monkey, monkey pox in the U.S. This is what Brian Wilson is. This was 2017. Was 2017 when the moratorium was lifted and they started sending that money? I think they put it in in 2014, the gain-of-function moratorium. And that's when the moratorium. 2017 was lifted. Maybe when it got lifted. So what slide number is that in that presentation? And who's the presentation by? So that ties back to EcoHealth Alliance Um, and and NIAID. And who was the title slide? Was it FDA or CDC? CDC. And CDC. And there was John Epstein, mm-hmm. uh, Vice President of Science and Outreach at EcoHealth Alliance. And Monkeypox is in there. And mon- Oh, yeah. It's like it's an early on, actually. So it's within the first third of it. I, it doesn't give me a number. Oh, 21 out of 56. 21 out of 56. Now, here too, four, Monkeypox was not a known thing in the United States that we were all. But there it is right there in the slides. Monkeypox in the U.S. Almost there's, an outbreak, if- there's an outbreak of 70 individuals due to an infected animal that came from, that was transferred to a zoo. This was God like uh, five years ago. I don't know. Some, it happened sometime within the last five to seven years. Um, I remember reading about it recently. And We're going to learn they- later tonight that the woman that got bitten when the truck of experimental monkeys turned over in Pennsylvania passed away. It's not related to the monkeypox story as far as we know. Yeah, that is strange. Um, so yeah, monkeypox is definitely part of that. But they go over a bunch of different scenarios. But this is talking about zoonotic risk. This is also global health security agenda and U.S. AIDS, USAID, emerging uh, pandemic threats. Yes, yeah, CIA. Yeah, predict program, which we talked about uh, quite a bit. And I think in regards to Project Diffuse and uh, that whole situation. So the fingerprint, fingerprints of the usual suspects from Pandemic 1 oh, SARS. look like they're on maybe Pandemic 2. You know what popped into my mind in the Greg Reese video was, uh, you know, the 1950s, the Dr. Mary's monkey, that whole... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the, good the point. Cancer research. Yeah, I, got that, I got that book down here someplace. You know, that's another thing because they think it's possible. I mean, there's the, um, the simian virus 40, I forget what it was. But anyways, that's potentially where they say AIDS might have emerged. That was whole Bill Hamilton's whole thing when I showed the All Watch Over My Machines of Love and Grace Part 3 when he died in the Congo, I believe it was, researching the origin of AIDS. He died mysteriously by contracting malaria, took an aspirin which lodged in his gut and caused a hemorrhage. Um, and that's how he died. But nonetheless, he was convinced that AIDS was a part of a biological experimentation down in Africa. Now, was there experimentation in the 1950s? And that came out of a simian virus that emerged due to assuming that's the polio vaccine polio vaccine so now what did geared vandenbos talk about in regards to vaccinating you get selective pressure for mutant escape so they in other words they're making this already it's the same thing that happened when they went to tora bora and osama bin laden escapes through the back they only go you're only guarding one side i'm sorry is it too soon yeah that's kind of funny that's fucked up but funny that's a good interesting analogy 
or description. You know, it's military it, strategy callback. That's all. For the boogeyman, they call it Osama bin Laden. Tim Osman. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, the, <laughs> nonetheless, it is, it's a, it's possible that they either were manipulating or had working with the polio vaccine created different sort of chimeric viruses out of it, maybe even accidentally because they didn't have the processes available, the laboratories that exist. Yeah, they're today. forcing into the they're forcing the gene pool to evolve in unexpected ways that they yeah. can't control, which That's is stupid. Exactly right. yeah, we used to exactly have a word right. for that, but since we're not allowed to say certain words anymore, things have gotten out of hand. Nature finds a way. It's like a those words are like the proverbial weed whacker. Park, right? And without using those words to whack down the weeds, the weeds are taking over. Was it Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because like a nature uh, find a way. finds a way. Our life finds a way, whatever. Nature is like either yeah, way, something like chaos that. theory. It will find a way. So that's uh, that's what happens when you try to play God. But they've already the people that control uh, this world have already convinced themselves that they're. You know, the divine right of kings idea didn't die in ancient or medieval times. It still goes on. They just rebranded it. So there's a bunch of different clips on the monkeypox. Oh, we could quick. take time. Um, just, yeah, well, so, Rich, this is, um, I covered this last week, but just so you can see it. This is the what was on both Greg Reese and Brian Wilson. So this is the Ted Turner fictional scenario. Oh, the Ted Turner fictional scenario. Yeah, get up on your mic. That's important. Yeah, fictional scenario. Sorry, in an awkward position. I don't think it's a fictional scenario that happened to so be set is, in the same time frame that monkeypox actually arrived in our reality. It's like Peter this, Peter yeah. Power from Vision Consultants on Seven Seven when they went from the slow time, you know, training to the quick time acting to the terrorist attack. I've seen these plays before? They're getting boring. Yeah, that's the thing. Like when I I was shocked last week when I saw this because I'm like, no, nah, this can't be real. But LD pointed out to me, and I think uh, Joshua or someone in production chat shared it. And I did look at it actually because, um, but I only looked at it for a second and I sort of forgot about it. May fifteenth, twenty twenty two. It's released June fifth, twenty twenty two. It accelerates June tenth. They move. They even call it move one, move two, move three. Like it's a fucking game. Like you're moving pieces on a fucking game board yeah. of some type. Move one, monkeypox outbreaks in quote unquote Brinia. A couple deaths, you know, a thousand some cases. Well, they were close. It was Brussels. So (laughs) it's not Brinia, some place they made up. I mean, they actually had to choose a place in reality for that. Didn't they make up something in Event 2? I mean, this is just like Event 201. It's very Event 201 esque. Scientific News Network, GNN, wasn't it? Really? I think so. Oh, my. Hold on. In that GNN document, right. there's a screen. Uh, I screenshotted that, put it on last week's um, oh, right on. title. Title. Uh, excuse me, the thumbnail. Yeah, this is. Uh, so this goes over. It's really the they made a fake line. news version of the fake news. That's pretty funny. Oh, interestingly enough, they actually even talk about revelation of a terror group origin, infiltration of civilian bio lab. So they're setting up this like Peter Daszak at Eco Health. Maybe they're on to something. Well, you know uh, how they love to tear up, tear or build up straw men and tear them down. So yes, particularly like they build up straw men and burn them down, like a wicker man ceremony. You know, just like uh, what goes on in Southwest America, what they call it, Burning Man. Yeah, Burning man. Yeah. For you Christopher Lee fans out there. All right, so um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of monkeypox stuff that we could cover. Um, Let's see, I'm not sure. I think we kind of got the point with those two. The rest are just you know. Well, I was going to say, maybe we should go to like that super cut of uh, our 
World Economic mm-hmm. Forum coverage, and then we'll cut back after that and go to like Del Big Trees yeah, monologue. The monologue was we really do have to cover that. Have a discussion. Yeah, that was good. So, uh, members of Grand Theft World membership community uh, had themselves a field day with. Uh, well, I don't want to drop names. So a whole bunch of people participated. There was a spreadsheet created. World Economic Forum meetings were mapped out. Video files were obtained. Hot clips and nuggets from each of those meetings were identified and then compiled together. And uh, now we're going to get to see a little glimpse of that and get a summary of what are the common themes at the World Economic Forum. This group of people who consider themselves to be the elitists the, the right to rule over other people. Uh, we'll also get some perspectives from like uh, Ben Shapiro had a good take on it. We'll get to that later. But let's just go straight to uh, kind of money shots from the various meetings all sewed together into this next 10-minute clip. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us by a powerful community as you here in this room. Is the audio loud enough? Let's check up the chat. We have to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities. That we serve not our only self-interest, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second... Now, pause it for a second. Oh, this is ridiculous. I cannot no, believe this cocksucker is still doing it. Sorry, excuse my language, but God damn it. No, I think that's the proper term. That's the proper use of the word. Um, when, when Klaus is talking about stakeholder capitalism, I just want to be clear that he's talking about him holding stake on the fork and Bill Gates holding stake on the fork. They're going to be the stakeholders <laughs> of capitalism while you're eating the gray trays of mold and the bugs that the UN is going to be feeding people on the food program. So stakeholder capitalism is he who have the stakes get to hold the capitalism or something like he who has the capitalism gets to hold the stakes. Yeah, there you go. Now, on the flip side, there's another word that uh, is connoted by the word stake. Uh, another another uh, mm. thing made of wood that gets pounded into vampires in history is a Bram Stoker type thing, maybe. Or maybe that comes from ancient India. We'll have to talk about that later. But go ahead, let let the uh, the guy yeah, in the Google boss. Do you, you ever see the movie Snowpiercer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. By the yeah. I think South Korean uh, filmmaker uh, producer reminds yeah. me of that because uh, eating steak at the steak at the top, eating literal bug bars at the bottom. So check out that movie if you want to see what a closed system looks like. And it's one of these. It's one of the uplifting ones of mid twenty twenties. Let's go back to Klaus. Tell us the future, Klaus. Find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. We look at the future of the global economy with great concerns. Too high inflation, too low growth, too many. But what is particularly worrisome are the consequences 
such as falling back of hundreds of millions of people again into poverty and possibly tens of millions of people dying of hunger. We have to be really concerned about those issues, and that's what we want to do here during this meeting. I wanted to ask when you all think we're going to move from this form factor to something that's on your face glasses and compu when computing's all on the edge. Well, it will definitely happen. I, I, I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 20, 2030. I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore be, be the usual kind of the most common interface. Wow. Many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies. We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're, we have increasing polarization everywhere. And everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, you know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to, you know, to be free from on online violence or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity. What do you think the mechanics of anti-vaxxers was and what can we learn from that to create a pro-vaxxer groundswell? It used to be that the anti-vax movement was mostly in wealthy countries. It became very politicized mm -hmm. and with that politicization we also saw nefarious groups using this as a way to leverage creating distrust in governments, distrust in institutions and that then has now moved out in the social space. And so in the developing world, the problem is not an indigenous um, uh, anti-vax movement there. It's there having concerns because they're hearing of, of what's happening in the rest of the world. Now, you know, I don't know how to solve the problem when politicians, well-educated politicians with science degrees, are you know, pushing out things that don't make any scientific sense. That is a problem. And it certainly affects people's confidence in institutions mm -hmm. and, and uh, interventions. With a vaccine, that we knew that there is a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated, and that created issues with the crop, so I'm suing you. And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S., another thing is to sue you in a country where the legal system is not up to that standards, or in Switzerland, right? So... I think that's behind us. Uh, everything <laughs> went okay, and now I think we can move on. Because COVID has been one of the most um, profitable products ever, reversing the trend of the last few years where you know, inequality had reduced between rich countries and poor countries. Unfortunately, now it has widened. And, and the, the statistic we're saying is every 30 hours, um, a new billionaire was minted during the pandemic. Health and sustainability. She said it was a new, one of the most successful so new products. And, right? Can you rewind that? To the, the yeah, she said products. Yes, it was one yeah. of the most successful or most um, profitable. Of yeah. That and, nature, profitable. But it's like a product they rolled off the assembly line called COVID-19, the COVID, pandemic. COVID was the product and it was quite profitable, apparently. Yeah. And then she bragged about how many new billionaires they minted during that process, that's wealth redistribution par excellence. The greatest since the time of the pharaohs, supposedly. Go ahead, roll it. A billionaire was minted during the pandemic. Health and sustainability. So I, go back I think that's it. behind us. Uh, everything <laughs> went okay, and now I think we can move on.
because COVID has been one of the most um, profitable products ever, reversing the trend of the last few years where you know, inequality had reduced between rich countries and poor countries. Unfortunately, now it has widened. And, and the, the statistic we're saying is every 30 hours, um, a new billionaire was minted during the pandemic. Health and sustainability goes together, and especially so with climate change. And good examples of this is respiratory disease with air pollution, uh, probably produces millions of deaths uh, every year. Contagious disease is certainly one of those. And the global shapers in the last four years alone have undertaken more than 2,000 of such initiatives to facilitate and improve the lives of the citizens in the hubs. Well, certainly the Ukrainian situation is stretching the world's resources, um, and we see that both in terms of resources for health, resources for food, uh, availability of fertilizer, the tragedy of the war goes for, far beyond the battlefield. Um, and we'll see this year, you know, the generosity of governments in terms of things like funding Global Fund, uh, funding Gavi. Uh, you know, budgets are incredibly stretched. The pandemic alone put us in that situation, and now we have Ukraine on top of that. So uh, maintaining the momentum on health innovation, health improvement, that's a huge challenge. The pandemic was a setback. We have more malaria deaths now uh, than we had three years ago. Routine vaccination numbers went down a fair bit. So, yes, there's a risk that in terms of resource trade-offs or even attention that global health issues will get a lot less uh, focused than they deserve as we deal with so many challenges. Look at it in terms of using the mobile phone as a way of being able to collect data from this ordinary person who'll be able to share their opinion about a particular issue. They'll be able to report something that is happening around them um, and have that get aggregated and put in a, in a place where you can collectively get to see what many other people are getting to see. So people are answering questions. So in, in, yes. that, in that case, in mm-hmm. that very simple case, mm-hmm. People know they're answering questions. They know they're providing the data, and then that data is being used. Absolutely. To be sure that you will have the traceability of the data. So that's the technical uh, aspect of the data transaction itself. So, the, so, so the, the, whichever organization yeah. owns the data needs to know that they still own the data. Yeah, yeah. As they haven't uh, lost control of it. Yeah. And the last point is the maturity. The maturity of the stakeholder. What is your strategy? Do you know what you are doing? Do you know what data you want to share with whom for what kind of benefits? When you feel confident in data sharing, then you start the trust and you start the the virtuous loop. People always talk about, oh, let's help countries do better. Yeah, we should help countries do better. But a lot of the pandemic risks are in countries when the next several decades will not have that local capacity. So you have to have global capacity. If you're serious about pandemics, you have to have global capacity that can come in and do those things. If it comes 10 years from now, we should have far, far better diagnostic technology. That is, be able to scale up every country within a month uh, to diagnose their entire population. We should have much better therapeutics, some of which will be pathogen independent. And then, you know, as we do come up with vaccines, we want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration which today, you know, the vaccines have saved millions of lives, but they don't have uh, much in the way of duration, and they're not, they're not good at infection blocking. 
does anybody on the panel have a thought about whether oh, that's or not news that didn't used to be what it was about. right didn't they tell us all for the past two years it's like uh stop get stop the infection spread and all these sort of things get the vaccine they banned people from youtube that question whether right. or not it stopped yes infection so what i've come to learn is that no virus no vaccine whether it's uh, a live attenuated virus vector or it's an mrna vector or adenovirus vector no no virus stops infection necessarily no vaccine um, you mean no vaccine excuse yeah. me i'm sorry no vaccine um it's more complex than that, which we'll get to when we get to the Dell Big Crease monologue when he sort of debates gear. So people have been fed a lot of false pretenses for the past two years, but now you're starting to hear at these meetings, they'll speak very openly and candidly. Vaccine passports not working. Vaccines themselves not working. Yeah. They need to come up with better things. They're going to need more money, I bet, to solve these problems. And just you know, a couple of years ago, these same people got together in 2013. It was called the Inclusive Capitalism Conference. It was Christine Lagarde from IMF and Lynn Forrester to Rothschild. And they said, in this room, we have one third of the world's investable wealth. And it's up to those rich people to solve the poverty problem. And you see in this recent pandemic how they solved it. They minted a new billionaire every 30 minutes as fast as they could. That's how they're taking care of poverty. They're making it worse. They're telling you. And it, you can look at it over like a, a eight year period. Here they are almost, almost 10 years at this point. Here they are reaping and plundering from other people's productivity. Yeah. Revelation. That's of the not crowd. capitalism. That's not, com- that's like communism. That's, that's wealth reappropriation. The fact that this brazen, this open about it, this conspicuous about it. I mean, this revelation, the craft almost seems like an externalization of their sort of con- the karmic consequences. Because they can't do like it cremation of care style. It's too big. They had to externalize yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And hope that people are just sort of in a mass psychosis. They use the word inclusive. To death. The Pope's involved. It's all good. Yeah. Everybody's on board except the people. Except, yeah. That's, yeah. it's a uh, strange world. Yeah. Is that the title of the simulation here that we're in? Strange what's world? That, that, what's that song from the night? Mad World? That's a mad, yeah. mad world. Yeah. From Donnie Darko? Yeah, Donnie Darko. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Time yeah, travel. There you, go. Yeah. there you go. Cellar door. It's all cellar door, everybody. That's you know, the, the weird bunny rabbit, the weird, like, sketchy bunny. All right. Rabbit. Let's go back and look in the basement over here at Dr. Frankenstein's place. What do they got cooking? <laughs> Yeah, there's just two minutes left, and uh, cool. sorry, I didn't, I didn't vet, I didn't, I didn't look to balance the audio levels. So, sorry, right, we're doing apologies. a live, man. This isn't the Crowder Hour. We don't have no, 17 people in the next no. room doing anything. And even then, they right. fuck up all the time. I used to watch them daily. I don't. Yeah, I love. I love Crowder. Part of the show. Yeah, fuck ups happen all the time. Part with of this show. low budget anti New World Order gig. <laughs> all right. Hey, we strive for excellence, though, in spite of it. Valuable in, in the context of pandemic preparedness and prevention. I'm not sure necessarily about a passport, but I think what would be useful would be to have global standards of certification. Uh, you know, going back to the earlier times of vaccination in 2021, I was hearing from a, a friend who had family in Sweden who needed a particular vaccine to get there, a particular one to get to the US, a particular one was available somewhere else. You know, get, getting global standards established 
as to, as to what you know qualifies as, as as protection, I think would be useful. So there's probably work to be done in this space. Yeah, yeah, it'd be more valuable if you had an infection blocking vaccine. I mean, the <laughs> idea of checking if people are vaccinated. Mm. You know, if you have breakthrough infections, mm. what's the point? Yeah. Uh, but the data system, some countries did a very good job on being able to hey, verify vaccinated states. He's like, what's the point? What's the point? Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, my God. I mean, that's Bill Gates saying it. Like, what's the point in checking whether or not there's, you know. Maybe they did a- one of those AI bot clones like Sophia, but they dressed it up like Epstein's pedophile buddy Gates. Uh. <laughs> and they rolled out at Davos. Look, he's got his ties all sloppy. It must be Bill Gates. Must be. It must be, indeed. How's his pregnancy going? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he's, I heard it's a perpetual pregnancy. It's like a, um, it violates the laws of thermodynamics. So, like perpetual motion to perpetual pregnancy. I'm leaving it there. And look, luckily, he has man tits that keep growing. So, he has plenty of uh, supply. For instance, there's a, there's a food shortage. Moves. There's moves. So there's a baby formula shortage. So he's, he's just making sure that it's gestating long enough that he can continue to produce. He needs a man's ear. It's all meet the fuckers at this point. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, let's finish it off. Almost there. U.S. did not. But, uh, you know, there's some great examples uh, even India did a, a fantastic job on that. Um, in, for our last question, I'd like to ask each of the panelists to make the optimistic case for preventing the next pandemic. If, if you had to say why the next pandemic would be prevented, what would, what would be the, the case for optimism? I'm going to start with you, Helen. We have to believe that it's possible to stop a localised outbreak becoming a raging global pandemic. And that means better surveillance, more transparency, frankly, by all member states. If they think something's happened, it's got to to be reported. And the WHO needs the power to be on the site with whatever teams need to be deployed. It needs to be able to publish the information it has rather than beg countries for permission to do it. It's got to be able to take a precautionary approach in running up a flag. And it's got to be able to declare an emergency without being kneecapped by an emergency committee. These are basic things that need to be dealt with in in a review of the international health. That's the pandemic treaty. Yeah. That's like, I don't know if people are paying attention. Like, that's what they want. That's the sort of the power we're ceding to the World Health Organization. The ability to immediately have instant feedback with a localized outbreak so they can declare a pandemic and then dictate national policy across the world. Tony, they can control nature. They're just going to need a little more power. They just need a little more power. And I, I almost wanted to pause it when I heard Bill Gates trying to curry favor with India. But yeah, right. <laughs> we'll leave it there. India has done a great job. Yeah. Why is he trying to like be nice to those people? Oh, wait, is he I, kicked he out? was killing them before. He's banned from over there. And yeah, let's see what's what's up with that. The oral polio. He saw how many Indian vaccine. people were over there. Yeah. yeah, he had a couple of different vaccines. Didn't quite go to plan. All right, let it roll. Let's see if we can get out of this World Economic oh. Forum hole. Hang on, that, there was like seven seconds left. Uh, All right, on. Also be clear. Ah, uh, yeah, we're done. It's going to start over. 
All right, right on. All right, well, uh, well compiled because I didn't have time to watch all those uh, meetings. And uh, Sisyphus, he led the effort on that. And Sisyphus, several, great job. Yeah, several people helped out. And uh, more work to be done in that area. If you're watching this show and you're like, hey, where'd they get all those clips? There's a whole spreadsheet and you can go in and get more. You find more good stuff. We'll play more good stuff on the show. Yeah, or, shout out to the community. Like, yeah. That's an awesome job. Um, just an amazing community. This is sort of the vision. It's that- like the open source intelligence aspect of it. You know, when you get some people who are like serious enough about like they make a little contribution to get in a smaller group of people who are actually taking action and not just on the listening end. And then they can do interesting things like that when when opportunities like this come up and there's all these presentations and you know they're going to be trying to get one over on us, but we don't have time to watch all those things. Nobody right. did this week, at least. Uh, divvying up the workload, kind of like the mechanical Turk aspect of it. Let's let's break it uh, into pieces and see who can handle what and get some clips out of it. Yeah, we Very got to find out all the individuals that, and give them a shout out on the show. It's fantastic work. Really appreciate it because obviously Rich and I are very busy in our back in you know, our normal lives and our work environments i'm currently still finishing a move and i still have my job and you know rich is obviously very busy um still has the autonomy season going on um there's other things going on so just like we got to have porcupine freedom festival coming up in, in a couple weeks yeah but lots going on lots of moves being made really appreciate right. that so um let's now go to dell big trees uh it's his monologue from his weekly show but this week it was particularly potent and uh, it might be impotent to watch uh, some of this together. So what do you play think? Play the play the Dell debates gear. It's part. They just like they actually made their own clip of it. It's a little bit nicer than the timestamps. So it'll be easier for you to play. LD. All right, cool. Uh, you want to set it up? It's Geert Van den Bosch and Dell so Baytree, but they're in a debate in Bath, England, to learn stuff for the audience. Right, and in Bath, England, there was a conference held last weekend. I'm trying to remember the name of the conference. They'll, You'll find it out in a second. Just uh, sk- sort of diluting me on the top of my head, but nonetheless, there was a conference. You had like Robert Malone, Brett Weinstein. You had Dr. Peter McCullough, I think, joined by video conferencing. Uh, Tess Laurie is the one that set it up, and you had a number of other individuals um, get together and actually hash out very complex topics in regards to vaccine, in regards to mRNA, in regards to therapeutics, in regards to the COVID nineteen response, a whole host of scenarios, but. That's how I'm trying to say this. Del Big Tree Improv. Now he was the MC, so it's a sort of the master ceremonies. He comes in and he, you know, is supposed to just read, as he described it, read the uh, questions from the audience to the the panel. But he sort of had a divine moment of inspiration, if you will, and decided to open it up for a debate because he heard some things that Geert said. Now Geert is a vaccine uh, vaccinologist. He worked for Gavi. And so he is on board, which is Bill Gates's vaccine group. That, That's uh, right. Along with like CEPI, they made the whole decision on who yeah, produced Sepi. vaccines around the world for the pandemic. And I like Geert. I think he has a lot of good things to say. I think he's a true believer in the original vaccine program. Um, and he goes into, and I think Geert actually has some very valuable points. Um, so does Dell. And so does Brett. I think they all had very interesting points, but it was ad-libbed. It was spontaneous. It was improv by Del Big Tree to sort of all of a sudden break out into what then became an hour-long debate of which the, the high wire uh, clipped about 16 minutes of. And it's incredible. It's worth watching. It's worth Rich and I discussing sort of the fallout of that debate. Because I think well, I sat here for an hour last night after watching it thinking to myself, um, 
I don't think I disagree with any perspective. And this is the type of discussions that should be had in regards to like the FDA advisory panel for vaccine safety or, you know, the various panels in the CDC that aren't being had. You know, Dell Bigtree and the High Wire have actually exposed how sort of flimsy these verification process or uh, uh, verification and sort of safety protocols and these meetings are. I mean, that's yeah, the they're thing hollow. Just, they're hollow. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing there. It's basically just who's financing what and regulatory capture. It was really refreshing to see actual debate, like actual really good, like so healthy a good, debate. Good examples so people know what done right looks like. This is something that can be emulated with mm-hmm. uh, you know local town meetings, these sort of things. It's like yes. how do you respectfully and in a learned, serious way bring these topics to complex and face to face so that they can uh you know work out the contradictions so we can learn beyond what we knew yesterday i think it's a very important aspect and uh yeah so let's take in this example together and then we'll get back to more klaus world economic shenanigans later but let's just uh we'll switch gears back and forth because these topics will continue probably the rest of the evening let's go to dell big tree from this week's high wire highwire.com thursday 2 p.m Eastern time type of live stream broadcast. Let's go to Dell Big Tree. As I said at the very top of, of this event, I said to them, look, we are all coming from different places. You're about to see some of the greatest scientists in the world here at Van den Bosch, Dr. Robert Malone, who invented the mRNA technology, Dr. Ryan Cole, um, Peter McCullough. I mean, we, we know it. We could go on and on. But I said, if you're expecting to show up here as a beautiful audience, I think over 400 people in attendance, uh, the room was packed. And I said to them, if you're expecting to come and see some of agenda-driven, homogenized, you know, game plan that we've already structured. I think you're in the wrong place. I think you're going to see argument. I think you're going to see disagreement. And I said to them, I want you to recognize what that is. Do not get depressed. Don't get upset. Recognize that is the scientific method. We've gotten too used to science being this agreed upon consensus, which is why we're in the trouble we're in. That is anything but science. That's how when you know science is not happening. And short to form and just as I had expected, um, there were some you know, strong debates and one of them actually involved me. I was watching the panel of doctors, the opening night, the first panel that had Dr. Robert Malone here Ben and Bosch and, and many of the other luminaries that have been on this show. And here Ben and Bosch said something that did not certainly line up with my ideology or the work that we've done and the investigations that we've done. So let me play for you what he said to this audience at uh, the Better Way Forward conference. Let's just listen to this. Mass vaccination campaigns are just driving the propagation of more infectious variants. On the other hand, live attenuated vaccines are critical to maintain herd immunity. So once you have herd immunity established, it is indeed beneficial because the elderly people or people with weak in, uh, immunity, they will, of course, no longer contribute to herd immunity. So you have to replenish that reservoir. You can do this indeed by vaccinating young children as we do with the live attenuated vaccines. This is going to train their innate immunity. It's going to contribute to uh, herd immunity and will keep this balance uh, where the uh, virus is under control thanks to the herd immunity. 
Well, obviously, I was sitting there. I was the MC of the event, which meant I was coming up after every one of these large panels. There was usually about 10 people in the panel. They were about three hours long apiece dealing with all these issues. And I had an iPad where I was receiving all of the questions from people that were in the audience and those that were online. And definitely, you know, Geert lit it up when he said that there's obviously almost anyone that watches my show would say that uh, Dell clearly disagrees with that, and, and I think most of you probably do, this idea that we need all of these vaccines in the childhood vaccine program to achieve herd immunity. And so I was sort of, you know, I, I wanted to get off to the right start. I didn't want to scare, you know, Tess Laurie. That was gracious. I felt so honored to be invited to be the MC. And all I'm supposed to do is read the questions that are sort of all over the map about everything else. And I said, there's only one question that needs to be answered tonight, and that has to do with, do vaccines have a place as we move forward in this better way? Um, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, did a little praying about it. I decided I got to let it rip. And so I went up onto the stage and I tried, realized I was going to blindside here and, and, and some of the other scientists and doctors who maybe have been dancing around this. Like, let's be honest, I've had Heert Vandenbosch on the show. We have delved into, and he got into it there too, on his theories about, you know, driving viral immune escape and all that's possible in the future. Go watch the other shows if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I've never really asked him what he thought about the childhood vaccine program. I'm well aware he's one of the great leading virologists uh, and vaccinologists in the world. So it wasn't totally shocking to me. I also know that Dr. Robert Malone is, you know, a, a lifelong vaccinologist. So I started out the question and answers um, by asking the question, who here believes that vaccines ha are a part of a better way forward? Uh, this is just a little taste of the one-hour debate that broke out. And believe me, it got interesting. I think there's a conversation that needs to happen right here and now if we're truly going to discuss a better way forward um, that has been set off. And some of it's a bit of a firestorm that Geert Van den Bosch has created online. For those of you that have been asking those questions, Can you ask the it really comes down to vaccinations. I think that many in this audience and out there in the viewing world right now um, would think that after this COVID pandemic and the problems that we've seen with this vaccine, that an event like this would come to the conclusion that there isn't a place for vaccines moving forward. So I want to ask a few questions of this panel. I'm going to put you on the spot. We are truly, truly going to have a scientific conversation. We can't be afraid to have this one. How many of you, by raising your hands, believe that vaccination has a place in a better way moving forward? Okay. I appreciate that. All right. So, so roughly half of those that are up there. How many of you are aware that since the increase of vaccinations, when we were giving 10 vaccines, I'll use the United States of America's stats, we were giving 10 vaccines in the United States of America to, by the time you were 18, up until about 1986 when we took all liability away, that vaccine program increased to 54 vaccines. How many of you are aware that in that time, we went from a, you know, a chronic illness rate in the United States of America of 12%, to a chronic illness rate of now over 54%, and that data has been stopped being given to us since uh, 2012. How many are aware of that increase in chronic illness? Yeah. Okay, Geert, is that, is that not something you're aware of? Well, you know, I, I don't like these blunt statements, right? I mean, it's all more, more complex. Uh, 
you have to be careful with correlations. That's. Uh, I agree. I'm strictly stating correlation, and I, I will admit that. But I think it's at the heart of the conversation. It feels like you set up a very simple um, binary system, um, but you asked a very broad question. Is there any role for vaccines going forward in a better way? In, that, in my raising my hand, I was not endorsing in any way our current vaccine schedule. I, I, for me, as a vaccinologist who has often assumed has, has integrated a belief system that I was brought up in um, about the efficacy and utility of childhood vaccines, I had a moment of epiphany when I sat down with Candace Owens. And uh, we talked about what the temporal relationship has been with many of these uh, classic pediatric diseases and uh, their quenching in the population, which was more concurrent with implementation of modern public health and water sanitation practices than it was with implementation of vaccines. And yet the industry has taught me and has taught many of us that, that there was a causal relationship when in fact it was correlation, which is one of the big flaws that we've seen again and again is conflating correlation with causation. Is it true that uh, a great many vaccinations is bad for you over a lifetime and that we should treat this, this technology very sparingly, right? That we should be choosing very carefully which few things it makes sense to use it for and what to hold it in reserve for rather than just imagining that if vaccines are good, then more vaccines are better. My, my opinion is that our children are not suffering from infections. They're suffering from chronic diseases, autoimmune diseases, autism, and depression. So it seems we, like we need to reevaluate health and we need to look at those things that potentially could be affecting our children's health. A vaccinated versus completely unvaccinated retrospective study, you know, where is the place in which any of this uh, system works? Well, I, I'm having a tremendous problem here. Please, because, because, please tell me why. Because, guys, this is way more complex than you are discussing. If you are discussing about the safety issues, for example, I mean, you are not considering the impact of losing herd immunity. If you have diseases where you have no uh, asymptomatic <coughs> transmission, you can do a lot because you can isolate people, you can have a, a major impact by preven infection prevention measures on the spread of the disease. If you have diseases like flu, like Rona, like even measles that can spread asymptomatically, how do you think that without vaccination you are going to maintain your herd immunity? Please tell me. Okay. It's by having the next, the next epidemic, of course. Do you want to have this? I, you, can you calculate what the damage will be of that? Of that? You cannot, for uh, example, here I would say this. With, I with, mean, with other things. I think, so I, okay, yes, I, I'm having a huge problem with, okay. with, with taking yeah. these this shortcuts, right? And with saying no injections. Okay, guys, then we, we are not going to vaccinate these diseases that we have kept under control for many years. I have thanks two to points. herd immunity, lose that herd immunity and have your epidemics to reestablish it no. every single time. I have one last question. 
There have been small studies, Paul Thomas being one of them, a study out of the University of Mississippi. They are very similar. I've seen private studies done by large institutions that are now afraid to put them out. I will, I'll, and, but they are all very, very similar. They are showing that amongst the vaccinated, somewhere between a 4 to 5.6 times rate of neurological disorders amongst the vaccinated children compared to the unvaccinated. They show nearly in some uh, 40 times to 60 times rate of asthma amongst the vaccinated to the unvaccinated. I could go, you know, list all the way, allergic rhinitis through the roof amongst the vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. If, if we were able to get these vaccinated versus unvaccinated studies done in satellites all around the world by our major institutions, our, our health departments, and they showed that Autism is definitely connected to the vaccine. Neurological disorders are definitely connected at a rate maybe six times that of those are not receiving these. If the, if the Harvard Medical School study of the VAERS system that we talk so much about said that VAERS is only capturing 1% of the total amount of actual injuries that are taking place. Every year, our normal vaccine program has about 400 to 500 reported deaths from vaccinations. If it was true that upon study and deeper analysis that that is 1% and nearly 40,000 people are being killed by, or children specifically, killed by the vaccine program. If that was proved out and we removed it from correlation and moved towards causation, would you reconsider your perspective that vaccination is still our best way forward? You mean all the vaccines together? Yeah, yes, because we would only be looking at large well, studies of only, vaccinated versus I can only say, I can only say, you know, we, we, we have been dealing with... Um, these stakeholders that uh, have organized a major, a major experiment with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. We all agree. Yeah. Are you willing to do a similar, not a similar, but also an experiment, no longer vaccinating against diseases, infections, where we know that the herd immunity is protecting the population? Are you willing to do that experiment? If do you have any scientific rationale? Yes, that, the, that one is, just, yes the one I just stated. Because, wait a minute. The one it's I just not stated. What, what, what you are talking about all the time, what I'm hearing here, of yeah. course, of concern, is the children mm -hmm. and, and health issues in the children. But if we talk about herd immunity, for God's sake, it's about the vulnerable people, the elderly, people with underlying diseases, etc. Are you willing to sacrifice those? I mean... Mm -hmm. The, the, but but oh, I just asked you the, the question, there, there are you willing immunity, to sacrifice? And, and this is not all for all the vaccines, of course. I'm just talking, I'm just talking I understand, but you're not answering my question. Would you at least sign on to a document amongst all the scientists here and the 17,000 that are lined behind Dr. Robert Malone to demand that proper vaxxed versus unvaxxed versus partially vaccinated studies be done of all the major databases collecting health data around the world? Would you stand behind that without stopping any vaccine program, we can have answers to these questions and truly evaluate risk benefit, which has never happened. And I think this entire system is built on way too many assumptions. You can't answer the question. Neither can I from either perspective. We should be able to because that's what science is. Would you sign on to the demand well, for vaccinated versus unvaccinated I studies? Mean, I, we're done. I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think, Del, you know me well enough that I'm, the, the, you know, I would never, ever be opposed, you know, to gathering more data. 
What I'm saying and what I'm really getting sick of is if you want to, re to, to calculate the benefit, right, the benefit of herd immunity, what are people going to do? They're going to come with their bloody modeling, right, which I don't trust. And Neither so I. I think it's incredibly difficult. It's incredi incredibly difficult to do this risk-benefit analysis. You know that there is a threat, like for measles in some places, which is highly infectious. That yes, but, but Gearded had a death rate of uh, 1 in 500,000 in the United States of America before the vaccine ever came along. I think we can reevaluate the risk-benefit. We'll continue on. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for the time here. Obviously, obviously... I think rigorous debate here is very important. I want to thank our panelists for their honesty. I told you this would not be an, an easy moment, so I want to thank all of you. Uh, that was, as I said, a one-hour debate. It got, uh, you know, I would say almost heated in a couple of places. Um, but uh, when the dust settled, we all got together later on at different times. And, and I, you know, I said to everybody, sorry if you felt blindsided, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. It is continuing to happen since that debate happened. But if you want to see what was said in that debate and where these scientists stand, by cutting it down, you might have some misconceptions of where maybe Malone is or Brett Weinstein. Um, right now, you can still see this entire conference. You can buy a ticket and, and, and watch it. It is so spectacular. Just go to thebetterwayconference.org. I recommend this so highly. It is truly, I think, probably the greatest event I have been at to date because it was about being inspirational, because it was about looking the future. And frankly, I really want to support the World Council for Health. Tess Laurie is such a great leader for us. When you think of, you know, something that mounts up, we don't want to just fight the WHO. We want to present a new international organization, the future for the world. The World Council for Health really can be that. And so simply by, you know, uh, buying that uh, conference and getting in and watching it, you were really helping to support. And you've got something that's got some amazing moments and excerpts you can share with friends. And I assure you, you are going to be left uh, with a real sense of possibility. So just an amazing time. I want to thank all the people that made that happen, all the new friends I have all around the world, all the people in, in uh, media that were there, um, getting to recognize how Highwire is affecting people all around the world. I mean, I hear that, but it's another thing to meet people around the country and just see how much effect we're having. So absolutely spectacular. <laughs>
save very limited and rare and only for the worst diseases, which is essentially what they were arguing for, if at all, Malone admitting that he didn't even understand the correlation causation issue in regards that most childhood diseases eradicated due to sanitation practices, um, either sanitation or uh, nutrition practices rather than vaccines. And he was, yeah, where where would that be advertised? That's not a profitable perspective that they can get a whole bunch of research for. So can't but even that. Garrett had a, a point. Um, it's point about measles was sort of incorrect, but if we take something more severe, like smallpox, uh, unfortunately we don't pass on that immunity to the next generation. So you either have to go through another epidemic or you have to mass vaccinate, but then Del big tree. That's what he's talking about. And that's actually true. But now Del big tree chimed in, but like, what's that cost benefit or risk benefit analysis? Because how many children have to die, but then Geert's like, how many other people have to die? And that is that is a very tough ethical question. That's where we get into a very, very it difficult It's even scenario. tougher when you deny people informed consent. And, and I'm not talking or, about that. You know, I'm not, that I'm just I saying, agree with there. Yeah. I agree with you there. I mean, that's, that's, because I'm not, I'm not talking about the mRNA stuff. That's, uh, this is a whole, I think everyone on stage agrees with the mRNA and the mass vaccination program around the world. And that's not what they disagreed upon. It's more of the, the most severe infectious diseases. Is there a situation whereby which, but my issue always comes back to they, no vaccine, no therapeutic intervention should ever be mandated on any human individual at all. It should be up to the individual's choice and the individual will make a choice out of their own rational self-interest to, of survival based on the therapeutic that tends to work best, whether it be a vaccine or a drug or an herb. I don't care what the hell it is. People act out of their own rational self-interest and it leaves the autonomy and the agency in the hands of the individual, which makes them more responsible. And that's the idea of individuality. It's the idea of individual rights, the idea of individual agency uh, and natural law is the, you know, we have to get back to the standpoint of the individual. So. And you want options. Yeah. You want options. You want, options, sure. you want freedom. You want health. Yeah. It's not a whole lot. To I ask. mean, yeah. And I'm not, and I want to be clear, I'm not supporting the childhood vaccine program at all. Um, at all. I'm a big supporter of Del Big Tree and a big supporter of the High Wire. Um, and I was, uh, I don't want to say against them, but for a long time, I considered it just to be propaganda. But I, looking into the research they've done, looking into how well they've been able to expose the facade of the regulatory agencies in regards to risk analysis, in regards to double blind studies, in regards to just how much of a facade there is. Regarding yeah, they're testing it inside of children. Yeah. For, for they might decades te- even if decades. they tested each vaccine, they're not testing them all together in the petri dish that that's you the big kids. issue. That's that's, that's essentially issue. the yeah, the, the MMR style, which I know it's, you can't even use the word Wakefield, but that was his argument that you combine three into one and it has a, seemingly some issues there. If not that one, the HPV vaccine I mentioned with Bill Gates, Gavi and yeah. uh, SAPI initiative. That's why he, I believe it's either that or the polio oral polio vaccine. One of, or both. One of those that's two. why he can't be in India. India. Right. So um, there's also a polio outbreak to Geert's point that happened in India due to the vaccine because of selective pressure, creating a mutant escape and so forth. This is kind of alluding to what we talked about with the monkeypox with Brian Wilson, and Greg Reese. So it's, these are very complex situations. I'm just glad they were willing to have a very complex and emotionally volatile conversation. Uh, they kept it together, but obviously I saw Garrett get a little bit uh, intense there. And Dell as well. Dell is not one to back down, but he also, you know, um, you know, did some stage plays and did some production. So he has that bravado as well. So they, they both did a great job. And I think he asked a very pertinent question. He's also right about measles, but I already talked about that. If you were to, you, know, you have to deal with something much more, 
much more severe. Like if you go back to accounts in the 18th century of smallpox, I mean, it's, it's insane what was occurring and, you know, then trying to create a vaccine off the pus of the, yeah, not good. Oh yeah. Lots of fun. We're joined today by Dr. Francis Boyle, who's a human rights lawyer and professor of international law at the University of Illinois College of Law, a leading American expert in biological law. He's been on with us before. He's also responsible for drafting the Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989 in the United States, which resulted in the implementation of legislation for the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention and has authored multiple books on biological warfare. In fact, he's got a new book, Uh, resisting medical tyranny, why the COVID-19 mandates are criminal. And that's available on Amazon and LinkedIn, the description below. Thank you so much for joining us again, Dr. Boyle. Well, thank you um, very much for having me. I'm my best to everyone in uh, Australia. And I I don't wish to uh, toot my own horn here, but my Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989 was approved unanimously by both houses of the United States Congress and signed into law by President George Bush Sr. with the approval of the United States Department of Justice. Yes, and it's something that seems to be completely ignored now by so many officials, uh, in both in the United States and all over the world, we are dealing with bio-warfare. This is, this is the, the stage that we're in now. In fact, we're, we're in warfare that uh, extends beyond biological warfare at this point. We have all the markers of war. We have food shortages, economic collapse, uh, propaganda, multiple markers of war. Dr. Ball, what do you make of that? Well, uh, let me say, uh, first of all, on the uh, monkeypox, which you're reading about, And it's obvious that uh, monkeypox, as they're describing it, is a biological warfare weapon with gain-of-function properties. And that is why it is so infectious and is uh, appearing in areas of the world where it has never uh, been before. It's clearly, uh, uh, in my opinion, been released uh, on purpose. As best as I can figure out, uh, the Biden administration was uh, proposing uh, new World Health Assembly regulations that would give near dictatorial powers to the World Health Organization. And so all of a sudden, uh, the monkeypox was released in order to uh, ram these uh, WHA uh, regulations through the uh, recently concluded uh, WHO assembly. Uh, Fortunately, this did not occur. However, uh, uh, the totalitarian powers uh, for the WHO is not off the agenda at all. Uh, there is going to be presented to the WHO a new uh, uh, WHO treaty uh, dealing with pandemics that undoubtedly will be giving the WHO totalitarian powers to supersede uh, the uh, governments of the world and also uh, state and local governments 
in dealing with a uh, pandemic that is uh, determined uh, ipsa dixit by the uh, WHO. I'm interested, so Dr. Boyle, uh, how, how, will they, how will they actually succeed with this? Because we had multiple countries such as uh, Brazil, I think uh, th- th- there were multiple countries that said, we don't want this. Vanuatu even said, we don't want anything to do with the WHO anymore. That is correct. And there's a difference between the Biden proposals on World Health Assembly regulations, which were defeated. But these regulations are now uh, probably going to be rolled into a new treaty, which is more serious than WHA regulations. Um, Arguably, uh, uh, the regulations may or may not be binding, depending on legally binding. But a treaty which is now being drafted and will be proposed on August 1 will be binding. And it will bind all governments in the world. And certainly here in the United States, it will supersede our own uh, public health authorities here in the United States, federal, state and local. And I suspect the same will be happening uh, in Australia. I want to so ask my you opinion, here. Well, wait, so let me finish my point then. Sure. So in my opinion, the monkeypox has been deliberately released in order to scaremonger governments to approve this new treaty. This is very similar um, to what happened with the anthrax attacks here in the United States in October of 2001 after the terrorist attacks of 9-11-2001. There was uh, uh, released uh, by uh, elements of the United States government uh, super weapons-grade anthrax, specifically for the purpose of ramming through the United States Congress, uh, the USA Patriot Act, that basically set up a police state here in the United States that we now live under. I was the first person to blow the whistle on the fact that that super weapons grade anthrax could only have come from a United States biological weapons warfare lab and program, which was later proven to be correct. But then uh, because of my efforts, I was blackballed and blacklisted uh, off of all mainstream uh, Western news media sources ever since on anything related to biological weapons and biological warfare, even though I drafted the U.S. domestic implementing legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention. Now, I want want to ask you. The modus operandi here is the same. I believe the monkeypox was deliberately released to scaremonger Uh, First, the regulations, which failed, and now the treaty, which is still uh, coming up as of October 1. I'm sorry, August 1. We'll get a look at it. But this is extremely uh, dangerous, this treaty, uh, and and we have to uh, organize against it. As we know, the WHO is nothing but a front organization. For the United States CDC, which is completely rotten, corrupt, and despicable, and a criminal organization. For uh, Bill Gates, 
uh, for the uh, drug industry and for the biological warfare industry. And if you think uh, I'm exaggerating here, I've already established that COVID-19 was an offensive biological warfare weapon that leaked out of the Wuhan BSL-4. The Wuhan BSL-4 was China's Fort Detrick. And the WHO was a sponsoring organization for China's Fort Detrick. So think about that a minute. If, If the WHO had been a sponsoring institution of America's Fort Detrick, we would know that that the game is up, right? But the WHO is a sponsoring institution for China's Fort Detrick. So of course, we cannot give the WHO any more power than they already have. So this is a a dire threat, I think, uh, to all humanity uh, to put us under a uh, medical dictatorship by the WHO that's a front organization uh, for all these uh, uh, other uh, individuals and institutions I have indicated. And I think that is the most serious problem that, that confronts us now in the immediate future. Actually, between now and August 1, we have to mobilize everywhere against this WHO treaty. All right. So I have a couple of questions on that. The In terms of the treaty, when, when it was when the word treaty, because what they did was they used the word instrument previously when they were making the proposing the amendments to the international health regulations, it was already the the IHR already existed. They were just wanting to make amendments. But in order for a treaty to go ahead, do we not need countries to actually sign and agree, or are they going back to that initial model where they propose that if seventy five percent of countries agree, or seventy percent of countries, I can't remember the exact figure, that every country will be legally bound by this. Right. Well, that failed. So now the backup is the treaty. And you are correct that the uh, uh, treaty uh, will require the uh, consent, uh, typically, of the parliaments uh, involved. Here in the United States, it would require the advice and consent of uh, two-thirds of the United States Senate. But they're going to ram it through claiming uh, it will it will deal with uh, COVID-19, it will deal with the next COVID-19, and it will deal with the monkeypox. So we'll see massive uh, news media campaign uh, on the parliaments of the world <clears throat> to ratify this treaty. Yes. And, and they ha- very well, they very well might get away with it. Well, if if they're using the same scare tactics that worked last time, yes, they very well might. I want to ask you about the gain of function. And I wanted to point out, I, I sorry to interrupt, but I okay. want to respond. And you see the scare tactics that have been used all up and down successfully in Australia. So and here in the United States and around the world. So uh they'll they'll use the monkeypox, they'll use COVID-19. They they could use something else. We have to understand that all these biosafety level three labs and all the biosafety level four labs, which you have there in Australia, are being used to research, develop, test, stockpile, and use biological warfare weapons that they can release at any time 
to scaremonger your people and our people here in the United States exactly what they did on uh, Amerithrax in October of 2001. And it seems to me this exact same thing, pattern of behavior now, is being done with the monkeypox. And if the monkeypox doesn't work, they could try something else. Yes. And that, that I was just about to say that. So, so because to date, we haven't seen a huge amount of cases with the monkeypox. So we're aware that they did a trial run of monkeypox becoming a big issue. Um, countries having to, 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 I mean, a huge outbreak. They already did this trial run a couple of years ago. So if it doesn't work, well, let me say this, Marie, let me say this. First of all, Maria, we don't know how dangerous the monkeypox is. Correct. It's just started exactly the way COVID-19 is. I'm not here to scaremonger anyone, okay? But this is clearly an offensive biological warfare weapon with gain-of-function properties to make it more infectious and perhaps more lethal than regular monkeypox. How do we we know about the gain of function, Dr. Boyle? Oh, that's clear if you look at what's going on here and how fast uh, the monkeypox is spread uh, all over uh, uh, Europe uh, and the United States. It's it's just like COVID-19 that I first blew the whistle on and said, sure, it has gain-of-function properties. That's obvious uh, from the speed at which it is infecting people. So, we are only at the beginning of this uh, uh, monkeypox. And, and by the way, it was just reported uh, today uh, that despite what they said originally, um, it spreads by air. Yes. Not just droplets, but by air. Okay. Yes. So that clearly indicates gain of function. Gain of function can spread by air maybe eight, nine feet. However, As we found out with COVID-19, in addition to being uh, 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 a gain of function, uh, eventually we found out that the Wuhan BSL-4 had the capability, bragged about the capability, to apply nanotechnology to viruses. And in my opinion, that is why COVID-19 can spread anywhere from 21, it's been reported, from 21 to 28 feet by air. It floats on the air, in the air, and around the air. So again, we just don't know how dangerous monkeypox is yet. But finally today, they did admit it spreads by air. And to me, that is conclusive proof uh, it, it is based on DNA genetic engineering with gain of function properties. If I'm not mistaken, the CDC put a notice about that on, uh, published a notice about that, told people that they should be wearing masks, and then it was later deleted. Uh, if I'm That's not correct. mistaken, that was specifically about monkeypox. So they're playing games here, obviously. It's more than games, Maria. I think they, by uh, deleting the recommendation to use masks, they are deliberately trying to encourage its spread. I would encourage uh, people, obviously people have to decide this for yourselves, but I would encourage you to uh, go back to wearing uh, an N95 until we have 
some idea how dangerous this monkeypox really is. Yes. It's a cover-up by the CDC. You can't, you can't trust, you know, I have documented evidence that the CDC has been directly involved in U.S. biological warfare programs going back at least to the 1980s. So they're up to their eyeballs in this. You can't believe anything they're saying or doing. They did this exact same thing with COVID-19, right? On the mask. Fauci said, well, you don't need to wear a mask. <laughs> that, that better spread COVID-19, and he knew it. So finally, I said, well, all right, maybe you should wear a mask. So uh, 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 they know what they're doing. Well, there would be a lot of people that would argue the effectiveness of, of masks. We've even had uh, recently, I, I saw a peer-reviewed study that said that it, it actually um, made people made people more susceptible to being unwell from COVID-19. And I recall the World Health Organization some years ago saying uh, when we had SARS um, that it, it was actually worse for you to wear a mask. So so there's, I mean, we won't debate the mask issue here, but what I want to mention well, again, is- Well, let me just respond there, Maria, before we get to the next question. Sure. Well, my advice to the Australian people, you can't believe anything the WHO is uh, telling you. Of course. And you have to be very skeptical of uh, your own uh, federal health authorities there uh, in Australia, uh, because, you know, they're working uh, in cahoots with the WHO. Now, I can speak definitively about, you know, what's happening here in the United States. I only follow Australia on the Internet and things of that nature. But you have to be very skeptical. Uh, 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 We've discussed this before. The Australian Health Board was working in cahoots with the uh, uh, Wuhan BSL-4, which is China's Fort Detrick. Yes. So why was that happening? Obviously, they are in cahoots with each other. These scientific medical elites are more loyal to each other than they are to the people, the citizens of their own country. And second of all, these scientists and medical doctors are up to their eyeballs in criminal activity. So, of course, they have every incentive in the world to lie and to cover up to their own people. Absolutely. And that that, it's not just um, that they're involved in criminal activity. It's that they have no conscience, Dr. Boyle. These people have no conscience. They know full well that their biological weapons are killing people. These clot shots, these death shots are killing people, and they don't care. In fact, they keep pushing them. But what I wanted to focus on was well, a again, very- I wanted to agree with you, Maria, before we go on to the next question. Yes, what we're seeing here is a Nazi mentality at work. And you can go back and read the um, uh, prosecution of the Nazi doctors and scientists uh, at the uh, Nuremberg uh, uh, proceedings uh, that were conducted by the United States government itself. This is the same mentality we are seeing in operation by these medical doctors, public health authorities, and scientists. And the tip off of there, the proof is they are all recommending that people take these COVID frankenshots 
in clear-cut violation of the Nuremberg Code on Medical Experimentation that came out of the prosecution of the Nazi doctors and scientists at Nuremberg. Indeed, let me read for you, uh, Maria, the uh, Nuremberg uh, uh, Charter uh, itself. This was set up after uh, uh, World War II by the victorious powers in Europe to prosecute the major Nazi war criminals, okay? And one of the crimes in the charter that is customary international criminal law is a crime against humanity. Now, let me read here directly from the Nuremberg Charter for the prosecution of the major Nazi war criminals in World War II. Quote, crimes against humanity, namely murder, extermination, and other inhumane acts committed against any civilian population. Murder, extermination, and other inhumane acts committed against any civilian population. That is exactly what is going on here. Indeed, crime against humanity was put in there in the Nuremberg Charter specifically for the purpose of dealing with the Nazi German government's persecution and extermination of their own Jewish citizens of Germany. And this is what our own public health officials and scientists and medical doctors are doing to their own citizens today. History is repeating itself. Yes, and I think it's important. Your next question, Maria. I, I did want to, you know, respond. No, to it's the important. Point make. It's important because what you what you, pe- people must understand, if they don't buy now, they must understand just how sinister it really is. They must understand that these people have this Nazi mentality. They are eugenicists. They want to depopulate. They want to kill off a huge portion of the world population. Now we've got these articles coming about, about about sudden adult death syndrome. Now this is something that isn't a new problem, but they're saying that the cases of this are exploding, of, of adults suddenly dying, and we must investigate why this is happening. Well, I wonder why. Sure, because that's, that's a result of the COVID frankage. Yes. So the doctors and the scientists and the public health authorities have uh, developed a uh, cover story to cover up the lethality of the COVID frankenshots. That's exactly what's going on. Yes. You mentioned something so crucial, and, and I want to I want to focus in on this. Even if monkeypox isn't the one that they use, even if it isn't successful as they wanted, or if that, or if because what we what we can see is this constant um threat of different illnesses they they they're keeping us in this cycle of all of these health concerns coming out to convince us that we need the world health health organization to dominate the world with their nonsense health advice which isn't health advice so even if monkeypox doesn't succeed as they want it to there will be others yes that's why uh maria they're all saying the next pandemic. Yes. Right. The next pandemic will come out of 
their own biological warfare laboratories and programs that they have been working on for quite some time. And in particular, these BSL-3s, BSL-4s, and now more evidence coming out that they've been using uh, BSL-2s for biological warfare purposes as well. I think they should all be shut down simply in order to save us, to, to stop it. Otherwise, it, it will be something else. That's right. You're, and they predicted it. They're saying it's coming, and they know it's coming because it's in their labs right now as we speak, and it's simply a, a, a question of uh, scaremongering. What, what can they do to scaremonger their own people uh, uh, to kill them off and or uh, uh, set up a, a, a tyrannical, a, a medical scientific tyranny, right? And, and to uh, uh, basically subvert uh, democratically elected government, whether in Australia or here in the United States, Europe or anywhere else, right? That's what's going on. And is that is that the approach that people need to take? Do we need to demand for these labs to be shut down? Is is that the angle? Because what what we're hearing from many, many people is, my goodness, why haven't these criminals been arrested? Why hasn't there been anything done to stop them? Unfortunately, you're dealing with a very well-coordinated plan, but surely there's some sort of an angle that we can take here, Dr. Ball, that that will put put an end to this. Well, that's why I wrote my new book, uh, Resisting Medical Tyranny. Uh, What the people of Australia can do is right in this book. Uh, I'm not going to go through it all here, but uh, I I wrote this book from the perspective of international law and international criminal law and international human rights law. So the same principles would apply there in Australia. In addition, I also wrote the book uh, uh, from the perspective of Anglo-American common law which also applies out there in Australia. So it seems to me, uh, you know, if you want to know what you can do there in Australia, get a copy of my book. Uh, It's written in plain English, not a lot of uh, legal uh, mumbo jumbo, and then then apply it. Right. I, I wrote this book to start the battle against medical tyranny against scientific tyranny, against uh, biological warfare weapons, and against these uh, uh, public health uh, uh, officials that are imposing uh, these measures upon us. Um, So I, you know, we don't have all that much time, but it's all in my book. And, you know, there's a paperback version available. There's a Kindle version available at Amazon. So, you know, it, it doesn't cost much money. I've linked that in the description below for anyone watching that wants to have a look at that. I think we need to continue from all angles and continue to educate ourselves. I often joke that in the past two years, the common person has become a constitutional expert, a medical expert. I mean, the amount of reading and research that we've had to do just over the past two years, which to be honest with you, Dr. Boyle, had we been doing this entire time, maybe we would have been able to put a stop to this before it got to this stage. But unfortunately, many people were completely unaware of the fact that there was a new world order coming 
and, uh, and and they weren't very involved in politics and areas where we can actually hold governments accountable up until this point, and, and, and a lot feel like it's too late. Our very survival um, of the human race, millions of lives, depends upon our uh, opposing this and educating ourselves, not trusting anything these governments or these scientists or these medical doctors or the WHO uh, are telling us. And inform yourself and educate yourself and fight back. And that's why I wrote the book, to give common, ordinary, everyday people ammunition to fight back. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, please do share this video. If you're watching this on Rumble, give it a like down the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. But if you're watching it from Z Media, share the link. Let everyone know about this. We are coming into more difficult times. I'm not going to hide that truth from people, but we must continue to stay strong, educate ourselves. And the more knowledge you have, the more power you will have. Dr. Francis Boyle, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks again for having me on again and doing doing this update in light of the uh, current circumstances. Thank you. Science, they claim the final solution, the only human hope. 
or keep you from your neighbors all muzzled up in the mask yeah you take them off cause you got no cough but you don't know who to ask yeah they got you where they want you yeah they put a spell on you So clear, can I live in fear? Cause if we do, the human spirit will surely disappear. <laughs>